What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 537th episode of the Pokemon Podcast. It's super effective. I'm your host, Steve. With me is Greg. Hello, 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 hello. Oh, there's a Piplup on screen. There's a Piplup. I figured what? if we're doing introductions, what? I might as well bring Piplup what? in. I mean, I didn't tell me there was a Pengaman 2 coming to <laughs> this. I would have been more prepared. <laughs> We oh, no Will this week. We gave Will the week off, uh, but we have a special guest. We have Roger here. Roger, you can introduce yourself where you're known on Twitter, all that stuff. I'm sure, sure people thing. know who you are, though. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm Roger from the YouTube channel Roger's Base. I do live reactions to Nintendo Directs. I play Pokemon. I read One Piece every week. Basically, Japan games, Japanese games. I cover all of it. Thank you for having me. This is the first time we've talked since Worlds, yeah. actually. And and we planned this all the way back at Worlds. We, we were talking in the lobby <laughs> of the hotel room. And you were like, dude, we got to have you on the podcast. I'm like, dude, you need to do it in two and a half months when I'm actually back in the United States. Yes. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been a whirlwind between, like, Cape Town and then London and then New York and then Chicago and then Hawaii and now I'm finally back at home in LA. So thank you very much for accommodating. It's a, it's a pleasure. Also, I will say you guys are the first Pokemon centric podcast that I have been on since I was in high school. That's a, lot of, qual- that's just- a lot of qualifiers right there. <laughs> well, take the a whole lot of narrowing the category down to make it a first. You're no, the no, first no, 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 no. two-hosted podcasts that started in 2010 <laughs> that has been going for this long that's Pokemon-specific that has one host named Greg and one host named Steve that's that right. I have been on. You're the first. You're the first. No, the last time I was on specifically a Pokemon podcast was the Bulbacast. And oh, this was like pre even going on like, yeah, I wasn't even like Roger's base at the time. I was going by like Nintendo Theater, which is like my old, old name when I was like a Bulba wiki editor person. So yeah, this is like way back in the day. This was when Battle Frontier was airing in North America. And I was going on Serebii looking for the little screenshots from the episodes. And I remember freaking out when Septile finally evolved. <laughs> and so that's how long it's been. So I'm Gosh, happy to be I, back in the game. I forgot the Bulba cast was a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Is so it not many still have a thing? come and got no. They, I think before the pandemic, they tried to start it up again, and then I don't I don't think it made it. But, you know, po- podcasting They've got you guys to compete with. They said, too bad. It's super <laughs> too effective. Bad. It's, it's just 10. too good. We're There's not only one. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, we. I'm not saying we actively hunt down other Pokemon podcasts and make them pay and suffer, but I'm not saying <laughs> we don't do <laughs> We have uh we have a new Pokemon to talk about. We have some other yes. Pokemon news to talk about. Uh the Paldea TCG stuff is actually coming. We're gonna get Roger's thoughts on Gen 9. Uh before we get into that, what's super funny is Roger and I met at Worlds. Yep. Uh I was setting up a live stream to react to the finals in our yep. like fancy secret media room. And I when I was setting up, Roger pointed out that uh we met prior to this. Yes, years ago. Years yeah, and like years and years ago. 10 years ago cuz I used to go to a show called C2E2 and I would I would like speak or do a panel there. And apparently Roger was also doing that, but his was always like around my time or like same room yep. but like before or after. Yep. We would always just miss each other for like years. Because we were doing the live shows I, for Japan time, like I think 2013, 14, and no, 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 would have been 14, 15, and 16. And then we took a break year and then went back in 2018. And for the 2014 and 2015 year, if I'm remembering correctly, your guys' panel was either at the same time or was like the same day with an hour difference 
between yeah. our panel. And I always wanted to catch your panel because I'm like, I like Pokemon. I think I would like these guys and I could never end up making it. So yeah, it's, it's wild that we're actually finally here, but we did meet. Um, I actually think initially it wasn't at C2E2. It was at Anime Central because I did catch a panel that you guys did at Anime Central for Pokemon. And we had talked briefly afterwards. So I think that was actually our first meeting. Yeah, yeah. I, gosh, I don't, I, <laughs> I don't remember a lot from 10 years ago. <laughs> no, I know. To be fair, it's just when, when I remember certain shows or certain people, the core memories get unlocked. So got it. Yeah. Must right. be nice being young. uh all right well let's let's start off with uh the first bit of pokemon news here and we're just gonna go with the scarlet and violet which is uh there's a new pokemon i struggle to say this name it's uh like a saint bernard right is that what the dog is supposed to be well it's not a saint bernard (laughs) it's a it is a it is a type of dog in that family it's it doesn't have the coloring of a St. Bernard or the size of a St. Bernard, but it can assume that the last part is ard. Oh, yeah, so yeah. if you take the first right. part as grieving, yeah. grievard, grievard is, the is also how I've gotten it. it. Yeah. But we, do need to, we need to talk about how many people is the Pokemon company willing to kill for footage at this point? <laughs> Professor Willow died. That person died in the snow. This person died in a graveyard. Four random people died for Ultra Beasts. This company is becoming a menace, and we are we are we are complicit in murder. murder to be fair, of see, I'm people. used to it. You were talking about this beforehand. You were like, "How could you be so callous?" But yeah, realistically, so callous? I am used to Smash Brothers trailers, and literally Mario <laughs> dies every trailer. He gets stabbed by Sephiroth. Luigi Look. gets ripped up by a scythe in the Castlevania Castle. Mega Man literally gets impaled by Ridley. So I. We we know that Super Smash Brothers takes place in an alternate universe where they are forced to live out their immortal lives, never being free, forever having to fight for the sins that they committed during their life, including mass murder of Goombas. Like, we know why they're there. They are punished for a reason. Why is Pikachu being punished? Why is Jigglypuff punished? They didn't kill anybody. Really? Who did did Pikachu kill? Really? Have you Let's not have seen? Ha- have you not seen how many times they he Pikachu has electrified Ash to death, and they had to bring out another clone? Why do you think <laughs> Ash is only ten? This is how many clone bodies they've gone through because Pikachu is a menace. Meanwhile, Brock gets a rocket ship because we're Brock still, is allowed to live an entire life, and <laughs> Ash has to start over every season because. Pikachu has to kill him, bring out another clone. I, I have a question. Ash never ages. Is 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 it. there a difference between a Saint Bernard and a Bernard, or are we is this are those two different dogs? I actually have no idea. A Saint Bernard and a Bernard? Yeah, you're asking the wrong person. I've always had mutts, What's and then right Bernard? now I have a Pomeranian. So it's like completely not helpful in the slightest for this conversation. <laughs> Well, Greg said that St. Bernard's are really big, so I was like, oh, St. Bernard's like, are huge. Is, is, yeah. is there just a regular Bernard? No, right? there's, like, not a, there's not a Bernard as oh, a dog. Like, like there's Saint a Megaceptile and then a Septile. Yeah. A St. Bernard and a Bernard. St. Bernard is the name of that specific breed, and I forget why they're called St. Bernard. It's... If you look at Wikipedia for Bernard, it literally just says, a French and West Germanic masculine given name, also yeah. a surname, and then links to a picture of... You guessed it, St. Bernard, which mm. I assume the dog is named after. So, Got it. 
uh, Grievard barely moves, uh, resting peacefully underground. It pokes its topmost part of its head above ground and lights an eerie glow uh, at its tip. Then it waits for somebody to approach. When a person draws near, Grievard jumps out of the ground and lets out a spooky cry that would startle most unsuspecting people, though it doesn't appear to do this with ill intent. Uh, it has a friendly and affectionate per, uh, personality that playing even the sli- slightest bit of attention will make it overjoyed and follow the trainer wherever they go. Of all the Pokemon residing in the Paldea region, it's known to be especially easy to befriend. However, it will slowly uh, absorb the life force of those mm-hmm. around it, so it's not best to play with it too much. What, what's more, it, is a power, it has a powerful jaw that will shatter bones. A single bite from uh, Grivard can be grievous grievous uh so trainers grievous trainers are advised to approach it with caution i know it's grievous because of star wars general kenobi (laughs) uh so it's believed to be based off of the briard dog which i sent a link to the wikipedia so you can look at the picture let's see it all right because it has the the shag over the eyes that is a typical Ah, this makes a lot more sense okay so that's the belief is that that's where the last part of the name came from uh, so grieving in the Briard dog because they have the. It also looks like Muttley from the old cartoons, which is probably what I'm going to name mine when I <laughs> take this on my journey because this is super cute. This has also brought my official score for Scarlet and Violet to one out of ten because they added a dog. Was it currently yep. zero? Yeah, it's zero out of ten. Why? Like I don't have time to cover. Uh, this. I, ha- I have time. It's because his favorite. Pokemon's I mean, I listened not in the game to yet. the last episode <laughs> as I was driving back from a party last night. And I heard nothing about a zero out of ten. I just yeah, heard I your experience a, at the I demo. I wasn't allowed to give my ratings according to <laughs> Papa Nintendo. Did, it, yes, that's true. According to the embargo, we were not allowed to uh, rate the game. So anytime Greg uh, said zero out of ten, I had to uh, cut it. Um, <laughs> You're going to have to cut it now. We're giving you extra work. I'm sorry. This, I feel like, okay, so th- this is the 20th Pokemon they've shown from uh, Scarlet and Violet, and yep. uh, y- you know there was there was the debate about Wiglet being a Diglet, it ended up being a whole different Pokemon, which, totally fair, right? You know, we had this conversation 12 years ago, 10 years ago with Bufalant and Tauros and stuff like this, but with this Pokemon specifically, uh, people really hung on the fact that they just stuck a wi- uh, Litwick on its head. Uh, I think which- it's kind of cute. Yeah. I don't know if that's my problem with the Pokemon. I think I don't like its jaw. It v- feels very dreadnought to me. Mm. It's very chompy. Um, it's got a very chompy jaw, but it's very cute. It's a very cute chompy jaw because it smiles and then it opens its horrible mouth. Uh, and then I saw a picture of the Luigi's Mansion dog, Polter Pup, and I was like, yep. man, th- that's a better dog. What? How <laughs> dare you? That is... Oh- factually incorrect if you look at anything in the luigi's mansion games that are the new luigi's mansion games the old original luigi's mansion had lots of personality with the ghosts the polter pup and like all the new ghosts that are in the next level ones nah they are mid (laughs) compared to all the other ghosts in the original in the original luigi's mansion there were dead babies there were like rocking chair ghosts there were all these other weird things and now it's just like random generic ghost 35 inside of a knight's outfit how can you say Polter Pup is a better pup? It is literally just a blob with a collar on it. <laughs> Thank that's you. Why you would know? Thank you. Why, why you would know that it's a dog is because of the collar, and you could also be convinced that it's a cat. <laughs> it's, like it how, is. It's a weird amorphous blob that doesn't really look blob. like any it's animal. It's like 
It's like somebody looked at Casper and said, well, what if I made it a dog? Well, how do we do that? We'll put a collar on it. Cool. <laughs> Done. Now there's so, going to be so much Polterpuff hate. I, he also has What's, a Polterpuff is a good name, too. Polterpuff is a good name. Okay, okay. But that doesn't make a good art. This dog with its cute candle under the ground. Love it. I, I also got right a there big with you. smiley jaw that looks like a jack-o'-lantern face. Plus, it's probably going to get a bunch of bite moves i mean on yeah. the topic on the topic of bite moves i will also say i know this thing's only ghost type right it's mono ghost yes. type which was right weird now. at first because you see the candle on its head you think ghost fire right you would think he has like a little litwick like you said on the top of his head and then he's gonna eventually have fire moves i actually think if this thing evolves i think it's gonna be ghost dark because of what you said exactly which is that it seems like it's gonna have a lot of bite moves and obviously bite and crunch are both dark type moves. Mm -hmm. He'll probably end up getting Fire Fang or the other Elemental Fangs. I'm here for it. But, Steve, I will say, Regan is right there with you. When she first saw this dog, she said it could have been cute, but it has the ugly jaw and I don't like it now. So, you are not alone in saying people, you don't like the jaw. People are all up on Space Helmet Jaw Giraffe and like that's the cutest <laughs> thing ever. And then this has a similar jaw that actually fits... Uh, for a dog, and people are like, I don't like the jaw. It's a space helmet that shuts and it grins evilly at people. That's two jaws, They put though. a giraffe into space. <laughs> and you have a dead dog that's got a jack-o'-lantern-themed mouth, and you're like... Mm. I know. I'll take, of... I'll take giant jaw ghost dogs yeah. over whatever Armor Rouge and Cella, whatever its name is anyway. Oh, it's no, like, oh, wait, you don't like those Not at well, all, I... man. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> I, I think they're- Why did you bring this person on? <laughs> this is the worst episode we've ever had. Wait, you, wait, I didn't, I've never heard you say you liked Armor Rouge and Cerulege, Greg. I think they're, they're fine. They're just not my style of Pokemon. Cool. I agree. They are not my style of Pokemon. They look they're too delayed. Cool. They too, look too humanoid for me. I think my favorites from this generation, as I'm sure we're going to talk about, are like the very non humanoid, classical looking kind of Pokemon. So, yeah, Armor Rouge. Very cool for people who like it, just not my thing. Yeah. It's it's always funny that, uh, well, here, here let's back up a second here, because there's not a lot to talk about for the dog. Very disappointing so far, I will say, that the dog has pickup as an ability. It, can, it makes sense, uh, but Ball Fetch was such a cool and such a great ability that Yamper had. They haven't given it to a single Pokemon. They show a new dog, doesn't have Ball Fetch. Um, so either hopefully... Ability. Hopefully there Yamper... Is coming back with Ball Fetch. Hopefully, another Pokemon has Ball Fetch. I feel like this would be a perfect Pokemon for Ball Fetch. Uh, I think we're all in agreement that this thing is evolving. Um, Definitely, yeah. What I want to talk about though is like how they presented this Pokemon. I feel like uh, in in Sword and Shield they were like, "Here's a 24 hour live stream of Two Ponyta. Hope you enjoy." And this, they're they've kind of been doing like these little, I don't know, almost like. Uh, short form, like like somebody at the Pokemon company discovered that TikTok was a thing, and they're like, "Hey, let's let's do like a thirty second preview, and then the next day we'll we'll tease it out." Besides having us wake up at eight a.m. Central Time or six a.m. Uh, Pacific, uh, some of us have jobs and we're already awake. So just because <laughs> you sleep until four p.m. every day does not mean it was a bad time. I I I don't think anyone was happy waking up at eight a.m. to have 
Yono announced that she is having an announcement the next day. There's yeah, not a I think single that person that was happy that made about a that. lot of people mad. Yeah. And I'm I'm happy because I just I happened to be traveling, so I didn't wake up. I normally would. I would do like a live stream or something, and I was thrilled that I didn't. And ever since then, from now until this game gets released. If they're like, 6 a.m., we're going to show a new Pokemon. I'm like, I can wait. I'm good. <laughs> but I can the wait. weird thing is, is people weren't that upset when we got f- that snow footage that didn't show anything. And then two days later, oh, we got the, I don't the actual. I thought, that, that, that was Zora. not at 8 a.m. They showed that during the day. They, they, yeah, they, but So I mean, people are like mad at how dare you do this. You're just mad at the time. And the problem is, is you're mad at yourself for ha- because it was up all day. Yeah. You could have slept in and just watched it after. But the fact that you decided to put the pressure on yourself to wake up at 8 a.m. to watch a teaser trailer, that is on you. It's not their fault for doing a teaser trailer. I think, I think it's it 100% their fault. They have a situation where they say, hey, wake up at 8 a.m. Here's a 14-minute trailer. Hey, wake up at 8 a.m. Here's a two-minute trailer that doesn't announce that that's literally announcing another two-minute trailer later this week. There's a huge difference. There's a huge difference in those yeah. two. Yeah. But yeah. but they didn't they didn't put a whole lot of announcements between either. Like, there's a lot of people deciding what it was going to be without them stating what it was going to be. Yeah. I don't think to anyone be fair, woke up being like, oh, great, like, she's announcing another announcement. <laughs> no, but I, I think, like, the rollout for these games and the way they are announcing things is definitely weird compared to the last few, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Like, I am very much in the camp that I want to go in with as little knowledge as possible, right? Like, I'm happy they've only shown, like, what, 20 Pokemon going into this one? Good. It's an open-world game. I want to discover this stuff on my own on stream, have my reactions, see which, you know, which Pokemon I want to use. That's great. However, I do think because there are fewer Pokemon that are being revealed and they're showing less because it is an open world game and I think they want more people to go into it like me, then I think that this time around they're spreading out these announcements in a way that they normally would not be spreading out things. You look back to like how Alola was. We were getting multiple alternate forms of Pokemon in the same trailer as like two new gym leaders and all these other characters and that really hasn't been the case for the last like four or five reveals, if I recall correctly. We had this one, we had Grafi-Fi, we had Giraffe Rigs Evolution, and it was like one little bit of new information with other stuff. And I think that's where people are getting upset. I am also very much in the camp with Greg that like you don't have to wake up at 6 a.m. to see this trailer. You don't. The people that this upsets, which I completely understand, are people like you and me, Steve, who are streaming this who are setting this up as our day because this is our job to be like, what is this new Pokemon information we're going to be getting? And then this is what we end up getting. And we are then forced to create and turn out content based on a fun little teaser trailer of Ionio talking, who's probably not even going to talk in the main game anyway. Like that's where (laughs) people are getting upset, right? And I, I don't think it is on the fault necessarily of Pokemon company because they're spreading it out the best way they can in terms of the information that they actually want to show pre-release. I just wonder if instead of saying, hey, 8 a.m. every single time, if they just drop it during the day or just don't even like there, to, or don't there's even announce no, it. Right. There's no then people are going to complain about you never know when these things are coming and I have a schedule to keep and I have to make content and you're yeah. dropping it in the middle of the day and I have to wake up this or Cerebi's like it's the middle of the night for me because I'm asleep and you drop it at whatever as somebody time. Who made con- like, as somebody who makes content, I, I don't I wouldn't get mad if a company just dropped something. Like they, yeah, they but just, people do. Yeah, sure. People like, will do, though, for you, sure. You don't get mad, but a million people do. Like you're mad at this one, and a million people who are on the East Coast are like, "This was fine. It was nine a.m." 
Yeah. People in England are like, it was 6 p.m. for me. It was perfect. Totally I was okay. after dinner. It was totally okay. <laughs> like, your time zone creation is going to vary wildly. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I, I think everything they're doing is better. I, I think the 24-hour thing would have been better if it wasn't so terribly boring. Mm-hmm. And at the yes. very end, all we got was, like, one ponytail with a tail, one ponytail without a tail, and then it was like two weeks of people defending whether the tail was supposed to be there or not. I mean, I think the issue was like they had presented the 24 hours as a nature tune in the video and let it run in the background. Right. And then everybody assumed it was going to be full of new Pokemon, and it wasn't. And people were like, well, I sat here and watched it for 24 hours. So like, well, are you going to do what I did? Is just let the 24 hours happen and then tune into the people who are like, this is the one thing they showed. I'm like, cool. Thanks for doing that. <laughs> thank for you me. for letting me know. Thank you for I'm doing out. the job for me. <laughs> thank, exactly. you for, thank you for ruining your life when you could have done what I did and waited until the company said, well, this is what was in the 24 hours and put it on the web page after it was done. Yeah, it was going to be on Serebii within five seconds of the thing. Correct. The minute it so showed, I'm like, yeah. I'll get an alert on Twitter. Yeah. New Pokemon showed at. 24 23 in the <laughs> trailer it doesn't have a tail yeah uh but yeah what, what roger said was during the sun and moon era they were showing they were showing like five things a week yeah uh, oh I, yeah I, you could go back to the that that uh that year and from the time they announced sun and moon it just felt like every single week they had something to show and it wasn't just, it was never one thing it was always two no. three four things also that era was wild because like it's not so much the case now versus back then but like koro koro was still a thing right where things yeah. were dropping in koro koro before they were announced online so we would get official information like days before the company would even announce it and that was exciting i remember like looking up the scans on twitter that people would post up and having this weird like fuzzy version of something that is official right <laughs> we know it's going to be real it's not like it's a fake leak and sitting there being like what the heck is this what's its ability i can't read japanese somebody translate this and then there being all this information and this sort of news cycle for about three days of this exciting cool new thing and then you get the official reveal from pokemon company and you get that exciting moment of seeing like the full reveal for the first time the sugimori art the ability all the information and it was like things lingered on for a little while longer whereas now like the conversation about grievard is kind of already ended right you saw it it's cute everyone's talked about it they moved on and they're ready for the next thing already right and i i kind of miss the days of like it being a three four day kind of news cycle I think we had a little bit of that with the 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 mouse and the parrot and the the weird salt cube. Uh, I do. I love the little twin mice. Whatever those things are, yeah. I, I want to use them. Whether that or, or, or was atten- intentional or not, because it was it was in the English trailer, wasn't in the Japanese trailer. I I I can't imagine. I mean, can't imagine that they didn't watch that a million times before they hit publish. Yes. But maybe they maybe they forgot. <laughs> I mean, you know, they forgot to animate a, a ponytail tail. Uh, as a person go. who does things for a living that I send through quality check, you would be surprised that even 15 people looking at it be like, I never saw that. <laughs> to be Not fair, once. that reminds me like way back in the day of Super Smash Brothers Brawl, there was like a brief trailer they showed. This was prior to the game releasing, right? And people were still trying to figure out what characters were in it. And I'm, in fact, I'm pretty sure the Bulbacast episode I was talking about we talked about this exact thing I'm going to bring up, um, which was in the trailer, they showed a brief glimpse of, like, the stickers. I don't know if you remember this, but in Brawl, there were, like, the little stickers you would put on the bottom of the trophies. Oh, yeah, And they yeah, would I give different that. abilities. And the stickers would tell you what Pokemon and trophies they would be compatible with 
to give you the best possible thing. And if you watch this trailer, there was a little, very small head of Lucario in this trailer prior to us knowing Lucario was going to be playable. And it was next to Pikachu and Jigglypuff and everyone was freaking out. They're like, oh my God, Lucario is going to be a playable character in Brawl. This is amazing. <laughs> and again, that must have gone through so many different quality checks in Nintendo, but it just happened to slip because somebody wasn't looking at the menu of the debug version that they took the footage from. Right. I would, I would love to like, that would be the Netflix documentary I'd want to watch is like, who is working at these companies to be like, yeah, we purposely <laughs> left that in to cause chaos with right, like right. the hardcore fans. Um, I, w- I would love to hear about that kind of stuff. Speaking of new stuff coming out, Zorark is in Pokemon Unite. And, you know, I thought this was going to be a little bit of a short news article. And then they decided to make Zorark one of the most expensive characters. Oh, and I. Uh, <laughs> Not goodness. Only can you just not buy Zorark. You have to buy him with a premium skin. Uh, that stinks. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. It's really not great. <laughs> it's bad. Like I cannot believe it's twenty bucks. Yeah, here let me let me just lay out the pricing 20 here. Bucks. So Zorark will be fourteen thousand AOS gems. This is the new thing they've been doing with the last couple characters. Which yep. you know, when the game first came out, ten thousand was was the cap. Uh, and even Charizard was like i think he's only eight thousand he's he's not even the the, the most expensive uh so eight thousand aos coins or sorry fourteen thousand aos coins or 575 aos gems that's the paid only currency Zorark yep. will only be obtainable with aos gems as part of a halloween bundle for 1625 gems for the first seven days of release which uh to translate to that to american money that is uh about twenty dollars so you don't have to buy this in the first seven days, though, right? You like, don't. You no. could just use your coins after the event runs out, and yeah. Zoroark is obviously always going to be part of the game now. So right. just wait the seven days. The question is, is, is how <laughs> much the coins are going to be? Yeah. Because that also keeps increasing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it it's like getting, getting harder and harder to get coins? Is yeah. that what you're saying? It, it's harder to get coins, but also the prices for for the Pokemon are going up. Like... I haven't seen a new one released that's like, here's 8,000 coins for this one. Like, it's 10, 12, 14, yeah. 18. Like, these are a lot of coins. Yeah. And I think it's because people are sitting on coins because there's literally nothing else to spend the coins on that anybody wants. So they just keep ratcheting up the price to try to fix their economy. Um, but I just don't know that Zorark has the draw yet because it's yeah. it's good in game but nobody i because it's so expensive i've of the ones i play cuz i play a lot and i play at least three matches every day i've been in a match with it once and i've been against it once mm. and in the in the 3 or 4 days since it's been out whereas when Clefairy came out game's lousy with Clefairies. <laughs> there's Clefairies everywhere oh interesting uh, and there's just not a lot because I, I don't know that anybody really knows. Are you? So are, do you think it's because it? Zorark's not good, or do you think it's because it's twenty dollars? I think it's because it's twenty dollars. Yeah, I, I would I, agree. That's probably the case. What I've seen from how Zorark plays, Zorark is good. Although one art, one can argue if the illusion ability is actually doing its job. Um, well, isn't Clefairy's ability just to pick a random unite? <laughs> yeah, the, Clefairy's unite is terrible. Um, but the rest of what Clefairy does is 
godlike. Yeah, um, I was going to say Clefable is one of those Pokemon that in every single game it's ever in, it's always good. Yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's good competitively. It's good. You do calm mindset. You could play it yeah. and unite. You could play it in literally anything. If yeah. Clefable gets added to the game, you know it's worth your money. Yeah, I, it's. I'm, I'm right there with you too with Zoroark because I play Pokemon Unite all the time. I normally use Talonflame, but I guess like whenever they add the new Pokemon to the game, it's never been that big of an issue for me because. I, I consider Unite the same way I consider a lot of the other games that I play that have battle passes, whether that's like Multiverses, whether that's Overwatch, right? Like, all of these games have battle passes now and paid content, and a lot of it's like, you get this character before anybody else can play this character. And I'm like, well, I don't care. Like, I don't know this right. character. I'm good with Talonflame. Like, I'm, or I'm good yeah. with Junkrat. Like, I don't need, you know what I mean? Like, I don't need this new character right away. I want to figure out if this character is going to be competitively viable before I plot down money on the thing anyway. And by the time people have done their videos right. and done breakdowns, then I'm aware of the fact yeah. that, okay, this thing is going to be good. And by that point, usually there's like some type of price cut on the character so yeah. this really kind of only affects the most hardcore of the hardcore the quote-unquote like whales right Who, yeah. whenever there's yeah. a new character yeah. in a gotcha game they put the money down they want to get that character get it guaranteed i think the thing that's kind of scummy about this is tying it behind like a special skin oh, yeah. or whatever that's the, the hollow air bundle right yeah, like, the hollow air bundle is bad. that's also sucks. the other issue is that it seems zorark is shut down hard by Lefable, which is literally the most popular supporter the best supporter that's in the game right now yeah like clefable shuts down literally everything but when you released a new thing you've charged it this much money and its biggest counter is the most prevalent supporter in the game and clefable doesn't even need to level past six to literally shut down everybody's game like Clefable doesn't even attack it just follows one person around and heals and puts down gravity wheels and you are dead for the rest of the game and yep. zorark comes in and it's like guess what the hard counter for zorark is the one thing that's winning games right now since they've once again nerfed mr mime and put mr mime back in his place is i think everyone was happy with that mr mime nerf though. oh everybody <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mr. Universally. they need to hit mr mime harder and mew harder and i don't think anybody would be upset because those two things are an absolute <laughs> like five minus. mr mime players are upset but the rest of yeah. the world is very the happy rest of the world's like thank you <laughs> but yeah, I, Zorark feels like a weird, it came at a weird time for a really bad price. And unlike every, like, unlike every other new character where you see a lot of them the first day, I have seen almost none. And I think it's because it, it's hard countered by the most popular supporter. And it's so expensive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, really bad. I, I'm kind of in the same camp as Roger. Like, there's a lot of Pokemon that they'll add that I, I just know that are that's not not my playstyle. I, I have zero interest in in dropping gems or coins or anything like that. Or I'll, I'll wait maybe until it's on a discount. I think the thing that at this point gets me excited, like every time they add new Hollowware, I'm like, did they add new Cramorant Hollowware? No. Okay. Mm. Well, like, I, I don't really care that much. Like, like I know the meta is still in a weird place for that game. Um, already, and it sounds like Clefable has made that even weirder. Um, in a sense, the the question I have is: Are they going to do that with future? Like when Sableye eventually comes out, because we know Sableye is next. It, are they going to attach a? Here's a twenty dollar bundle for a skin that you probably won't like. I think the Zorark skin is bad, by the way. I I don't yeah. think it's a great hollow wear. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've I've seen, I have seen the leak of the Sableye skin. I'm assuming based off of. How they did Zoroark, 
it is going to be the same issue. Of like I, a bundle. Uh, yeah, I have a mm. feeling because they did it here. I mean, uh, but the, my question is, is I don't know that this was a success for them. There is a slight chance in my heart that they won't bundle it because I don't think that this was a huge, this, I don't think this was a huge win for them. Yeah. I don't think this was a big money seller except for the few people that did buy it. I guess we don't know what the the translation to like whales no. to players are because like when the when the forty dollar nine tail skin came out, people were like, "Don't buy this! Can't believe they're charging forty dollars for it." But like there has been many forty dollar skins since, and, oh, yeah. and I, the game I always think of and the game I always bring up is like Apex Legends, where you pay twenty dollars for a gun skin or or forty dollars for us or not forty, but like um, probably twenty dollars for a skin there too. And for three years, people are like, don't buy these skins. But, like, they've never changed the prices. No, because, the, because they because know people the, are going to spend money. Right. Which, like, again, it, again, if people are going to spend money, they're going to keep doing it. They're going to keep ratcheting up the prices. It's going to continue to happen. Um, I think it's, it's just going to take, like, one character, kind of going back to what Greg was saying, that everybody likes. That universally, yeah. from the get-go, first day, the people who do spend the money are like, oh my god, this character's kind of broken, and everybody goes to download it, and then it becomes, like, a greater issue. But I think for the time being, yeah, like, I'm certainly not clamoring for Zoroark. Now, if this was Hisuian Zoroark, I might have felt differently. I think that design is amazing. <laughs> then maybe we would be having a different conversation. Yeah. But as it is right now, yeah, again, I'm saving my money. And yeah. when they have a, you know, discount EOS gem thing and I've got them built up, then great. I'll spend my money. But until yeah. then, I'm good. The weird thing about the $40 skins is as long as they've sold two, they probably made their investment back. <laughs> probably, because I will yeah. tell you, those high price skins, I never see them in game. What? Mm. I said like, literally I've, every one of the world championship was running all the forty all, all of those yeah. pro players I, were I running the forty skins. Playing like I play multiple matches every day and I do not see those expensive skins see, on it's, people. It's funny. The way I consider it, right? Whether it's again something like Overwatch or Pokemon is I think I probably would be one of the people who would have bought like a $40 skin if it was a really, really cool, like one of a kind Talonflame skin, right? Like I play Talonflame all the time. The game is free, right? You can download Pokemon Unite and play it for free. I play for free all the time. If they eventually released like a one of a kind amazing skin for the one character that I play all the time in game, I would probably feel like, you know what? I've put 60, 70, yeah. 80 hours into this game. It, that normally I would buy a game for $50 and maybe play it for 15 hours and then be done with the whole campaign. For me, it's like, okay, well, I put enough hours into the game that I can justify myself spending $40 on this one thing that I really, really want. But again, it's not the people like me they're concerned about. It's the people that buy every skin that want to have everything in the game. And for the people that play it at Worlds, right? I think it's the same situation. They put thousands of hours into this to be on a world stage. They're going to put the $40 I, in to buy I, I also have a strong feeling that they didn't pay for those skins. That too. Yeah, they probably got provided <laughs> hashtag Pokemon like, partner, hashtag on. free game, hashtag free product, exactly. The, the, All the, the FTC thought, guidelines. The thought that they have all spent $40 on skins for a game that, that the skins don't matter because they're competitive. Right. There is no way they did not get gifted those games so they could be shown off. That's true. At they, World. They, so people like yeah, you yeah, could yeah. say, well, the people at World <laughs> paid $40 <laughs> they a skin for them. So apparently everybody else should buy $40 skins. 
<laughs> they had it. They were winning exactly. with it. Um, you know, there, there are, there are, there. So in, in Apex Legends, I, I purchase every skin for my favorite character in that game. Well, not purchase, but like, uh, you, you get currency in that game. You can use the currency to. Unlo- I think Overwatch has that too, where you save yeah. up enough currency. You well, can just not buy anymore. That. Now it's well, a ugh, the Overwatch two battle pass thing is like a whole other conversation. But so so for for uh for apex that's that's crypto and i feel the same way in pokemon unite like i like i'm coming back to the game because cramorant has a skin in this thing that you have to this cake thing you gotta do the cake thing you unlock the skin coming back cool but i am sure that there are because before i would say before microtransactions existed if pokemon unite was a 60 dollar game and had no microtransactions, I would be the person that would be like, I'm going to unlock every skin for every character. Sure. That doesn't, sure. That doesn't exist because you need to do money. Well, that does exist. You just have to do it with money now. But I am sure there are whales or players that they just purchase every single oh, skin. Oh, absolutely. Of course. Like, whether of course. or not they played Zarina or not, they're going to buy the Zarina skin and never play it. They just want a complete collection. Collection. Um, and so I think with these $40 skins, I'm, I'm sure they're hitting the mark. I'm sure there's a handful of people that are just, I'm going to buy every single update. I'm going to buy every clothing, every scarf, yeah. every shoe, every skin. Because again, it's, it's a free to play game, so right? Like the, the idea that you can download this and put this on your phone or on your switch or whatever, and it's free initially makes the player base huge. So literally if 0.01% of people buy the $40 skin, they're making a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. Okay, last bit of news before we take a break. Uh, they are officially coming out with the uh, Scarlet and Violet cards here. These are going to be available starting on January 6th, so not this year. Um, but the the first partner, I think they're called the first partner, Paldea Collection, uh, Sprigatito, Fuecoco, Quaxley, will join. They'll come with the pins. They'll come with oversized cards. Uh, they will come with four booster packs, although they, they haven't said what booster packs they're going to be. I'm assuming they're probably going to be the last recent ones, those like Silver Tempest and uh, Lost Origins, probably. Uh, so four booster packs, code card, Sprigatito, Waycoco, Quaxley pin, uh, oversized card featuring either Coridon EX or Maridon EX, which... Uh, we don't even know what their types are. Yeah. <laughs> Safe to say that they're probably dragon in game, but yeah, you know, you never know. You look at Solgaleo and you're like, that should be a fire Pokemon because the sure. sun and stuff, and it wasn't, didn't end up being fire. So who knows what their types are? So that'd be January 6th for those coming out, um, which is, you know, when <laughs> anytime I, I read TCG news, I just remembered that they announced Pokemon Trading Card Game Live last year. It was supposed right. to come out in October. It is now. The end of October, a year later, and it's still not out. Part of me is thinking they're doing that to wait until the launch of all of this new stuff, like the Scarlet and Violet things that they announced at Worlds this year. Like, I mean, that was a huge moment for me. Like, I was somebody who I love the video games, and I love the card game. I like all the news. But the thing that was most exciting to me at Worlds was not like Cyclozor or whatever when they announced that during the Scarlet and Violet thing. It was bringing back EX. Yeah. Because that was like around the time when I was growing up. You had the e-reader stuff that was coming out. They had introduced the EX things for the first time. And I was stoked to be like, all right, now we're going to get like Mimikyu EX and all these other new forms. The thing that weirds me out about this is like you said, they're probably going to have the Silver Tempest cards or whatever as part of these booster packs in these collections. Correct me if I'm wrong, are those cards not going to be 
part of the new meta, like with EX, like are those going to be allowed even in game, like in those decks? Or is this sort of going to be a complete new shift? Because it's going to be weird if you've got like these VMAX cards that are in Silver Tempest that are in the same collection that now have EX cards, which probably won't be the same meta when we're at Worlds next year in Yokohama. Uh, a lot of VMAX cards will stop, probably still be legal until August. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay then. Okay. Um, and then the, and then after August, they'll probably cut most, if not all, VMAX. I what what they normally do though when they switch this because they'll maybe like older older tcg players listening to the podcast will remember though they had pokey bodies and pokey abilities they just changed right. the word but they'll 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 word it in a way where like this blocks all pokey bodies or this blocks all pokey abilities mm. they've done they they've figured out how to word things so all they need to do with um the paldeo set is like Hey, this Pokemon blocks all attacks from VMAX Pokemon, and then people stop playing VMAX because it's that like works. Yeah, they 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 do really. If 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 we give the Pokemon company credit for anything, they're very good at like forcing you to buy new cards. Right, the new meta, yeah. <laughs> Silver Tempest does come out in twelve days. Uh, it's going to feature over a hundred and ninety cards. They look amazing, by the way. I was seeing like some of the full art that's on Twitter of this. There's the new Lugia card that's in there. There's there. There's like a Mewtwo one, the Mewtwo V Star full art, and the Charizard V Star full art. Yeah, where it's Mewtwo and Charizard fighting each other, but you see the different perspectives of the fight with the main Pokemon in the foreground. It looks incredible. Yeah, they're so, really cool. I don't know how rare those are gonna be, but I want those so badly. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is the last set for Sword and Shield before they yes. rotate over into um the Paldea stuff. So uh exciting. Um although Silver Tempest is a little big, 190 cards is is kind of a slog, but they I, I, I personally think they've been doing a good job with the trainer gallery stuff. I, I don't know if there's trainer gallery in Silver Tempest. I'm assuming there is. I just have I haven't looked up the set list for it. I feel like I have more fun with the TCG not looking up the set list, but Definitely. Yeah, discovering something and going, this could fit in one of my decks right now, or this is like such a cool thing that I want to make a deck for it. Like, I think when they uh, they had the Go set come out, whenever that was, like six months ago or something when yeah. Go came out, I didn't see the set list at all, and I was opening packs on stream, hashtag Pokemon Partner or whatever, I gotta get my FTC guideline thing in there, but I'm opening the packs on stream, and Lunatone and Solrock I saw for the first time in their abilities, and I'm like, man, this card seems really, really good, so I made a deck for it, come to find out like three weeks later, when everyone has access to the cards, like, oh, this is the meta, if you want a good, cheap budget deck that destroys things, like, do Lunatone and Solrock, and so I <laughs> Having those three weeks where I was kind of unaware that that was even going to be part of the new meta was really exciting to me. Yeah. <laughs> Silver Tempest, November 11th, and then uh, the Paldea stuff, January 6th. Great. For your dates. Speaking of I dates, can't believe they didn't leak a Pokemon in these pictures of these cards. Missed opportunity. Which Pokemon? <laughs> they could have hidden it. I'm just, looking at, I'm just looking at the backs of Pokemon cards in this mock-up of the art, and they could have at least slipped one. They could have put, like, the mouse Pokemon on the card. <laughs> something to generate excitement in this press release. Instead, it's just a bunch of cards that show me nothing. Yeah, you know. I would like to get back into the TCG. So, hopefully... The EX. Uh, look, it, maybe eventually. I love it right now. When they oh, they, so they, good. they they eventually launch that TCG live, whenever that's coming. I mean, you can get I the beta. I thought that was out. Is that still only in Canada? Uh, it is in Canada and Mexico and some other places. 
Look, it's very easy to get into the beta if you want to. The problem is if you decide to move your PTCGO account into PTCG Live, you cannot go backwards. So you are you are stuck there, and then that separates the player base, right? Because you have some players in PTCGO, and then you have some players in PTCG Live, and everything. I think the actual serious players are still in PTCGO. Correct. I just I'm wanted looking to, at to transfer cell- over. <laughs> I'm looking at the Silver Tempest Trainer Gallery, and there's two cards that you need to give me. Oh, yeah, there is Trainer Gallery stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and we'll talk all about Scarlet and Violet, and then we'll do our question of the week, and we'll wrap up. So we will be right back. Sounds good. This podcast is brought to you by Backblaze. Hey, uh, what do you guys think about Backblaze makes backing up and accessing your data astonishingly easy. Pumpkin Whatever you think you need to do back and we are back from our break 20 20 pokemon in uh we're less than a we're uh, when this podcast goes up we'll be 17 days away from scarlet and violet what are your thoughts roger are you excited i on Scarlet and Violet, yeah. like in general, yeah, of course I'm excited. What's a new Pokemon game? Like, of course, there's, I don't think there's ever been in the history of a mainline Pokemon game a game that I wasn't excited for. I mean, like, I grew up with the series. I, I like initially played the trading card game when I was in elementary school, and then got into the video games, and then got gifted my Game Boy Color Special Pikachu Edition 1999 Christmas with the little Jigglypuff and Togepi and Pikachu on it, and I've literally been playing ever since. I mean. I can't wait. And I think the, the big thing about this one, too, is like because it's open world, I am super excited to stream it because I feel like instead of me just going through the storyline like I normally do, this is content for months, right? This is me doing raids, inviting other people on, battling, getting every single badge, doing everything that I possibly can, like trying to fill out the Pokedex. I, I've been lucky with the past three I've actually completed the Pokedexes for, which was like unheard of when I was a little kid. I think I did that for <laughs> Gen 1, Gen 2, and then... I don't think I ever did it again until, like, Let's Go Pikachu. And then I've been doing it. No, no, that's not true. Sun and Moon. Alola, I completed the Pokedex in Sun and Moon as well. And then now I've been doing it ever since. So I will probably continue that trend with Scarlet and Violet, depending on how many Pokemon are in the Pokedex. Yeah. For the for those maybe unfamiliar with your content, uh, what what is what is your favorite generation of, of game? Ooh. I'd say, if you're including the remakes, I would say Gen 4. Just because Gen 4 was the first time you actually had Wi-Fi, I still think to this day, like, in terms of any remake game for any franchise, Heart, Gold, and Soul Silver is, like, my gold standard, no pun intended. I feel like those games did so many things right, had so much extra content, were so much fun to play, and kind of everything from then on out in terms of remakes left me disappointed. I'm somebody that was not a fan of Oris at all. I was left severely underwhelmed by that game. Um, and all the other, like, second versions of games since then, I feel like Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon wasn't quite different enough. I loved the expansion pass stuff that was with uh, Sword and Shield, but, like, I don't know. I think Gen 4, there was just a special little element of je ne sais quoi that was in there with the Wi-Fi connection, like, having God as a Pokemon. <laughs> 
Arceus and <laughs> introducing, I think that legendary trio of like Giratina, Dialga, Palkia was so cool. Um, but if you're removing the remakes from it, and I don't know if this is like a popular opinion, unpopular opinion, whatever, I would say my other favorite generation is Gen 5. Okay. I think Gen 5 is so cool. I love the storyline with N. I think those are games where in terms of the second game, they did a lot of things different. And that's kind of the gold standard for how I'd want a sequel game to be, which is, I think, why I was disappointed with Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon when it was like, oh, it's mostly the same game, except for, like, the rocket stuff near the ending and the Mantine surfing. <laughs> Whereas, like, Black and White 2 are straight up different. You have a totally new rival, all these new areas. It's like a sequel to the actual original game. So different areas have changed, like certain cities have grown, some have fallen into ruin. I just, I love everything about Black and White 2. So I'm, I'm going to say... Overall, Gen 5 is my answer for my favorite generation. Yeah. Black and White 2 were great. I love yeah, those games. Love them. You, you slightly mentioned the, the DLC stuff of Sword and Shield. So do you, yeah. think that, that, you think that is the right direction, or do you like yes. to see like a Platinum or... Uh... No. Okay. No. I, I love Platinum. I love Platinum. Platinum is absolutely the definitive version of Gen absolutely. 4. Emerald is the definitive version of Gen 3. Absolutely. There is no argument. Those two games are superior. But if we are getting things like Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, if that's what those kind of games would be like in the future, I don't want it. I would much rather have DLC for a game that I already have that just adds a couple new things, adds some new Pokemon, adds some new areas. I don't have to buy a whole new game. I can just buy the little expansion pass thing and I'm good. Um, so long as there's enough content in the original version of the game that keeps me satisfied. Like, I would hate it if... They just decide, okay, well, we know we're going to do DLC, so we're going to keep this big extra portion just separate for this, mm -hmm. um, and then have like a completely empty post game. That I don't like. I like yeah. there at least to be some post game in the base game. I am worried that DLC is replacing initial post game. Yes, I agree. I am and worried I don't that, want that I am worried that initial post game for Scarlet and Violet will just be competitive, mm. and there won't be any. Thing else until DLC because we kind of ran into that with uh, Sword and Shield a little bit. Like mm. there was some, but not a lot. And then, you know, we got two very good. Uh, I mean, one was better than the other, but both were pretty good DLCs. Yeah. And I'm I'm concerned that the lesson learned was that people will buy it and they don't have to focus on a post game to fill the gap because people will come back for it. Mm. Um, Cause that's tends to how be how companies do things. Yeah. That goes back to the interview where they were like, no one played the battle frontier, so we're not going to do it in the future. And it's that's like, it's wild too, considering like the core memories I have of Emerald and, well, and Heart Gold Soul Silver were playing the Battle Frontier. Yeah, I, I mean, love that stuff. Everybody who loves Emerald loves the Battle Frontier. Yeah, but it's Emerald awesome. sold less. So it's yeah. like Emerald it's, sold less, is, and you're assuming that everyone who bought it made it to the end of right. the game, which is just right. that, not true. Ludicrous. Like, and also, I, I'm sure it sold less just because of Gen 3. I mean, you look at that point in Pokemon history, there was unequivocally sort of a lull. Right, that was happening. You saw it across the board. You saw it with the TCG. You saw it with the video games. Like, I even remember being in school, everybody being obsessed with Gen 1 and Gen 2, me being in like middle school, going into early high school, playing Gen 3, and nobody was really playing it. And then come Gen 4, I'm kind of the odd man out until like DS really explodes. And by like my junior, senior year, when everybody's playing at a DS, then everybody was playing Gen 4 and couldn't wait for Gen 5 
which then brought me to my college years. But I feel like Gen 3, just because of a lot of different factors, whether that's like the technology moving into like the Wi-Fi era with all the stuff that was happening in Gen 4, the, the dip in popularity slightly, there were a lot of different factors, and I do not think them pinning the battle frontier no. as the reason why people didn't buy Emerald as much, I, that's wrong. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's one of those things where you always question why a corporation decides oh well we learned this lesson from that and i'm like was that the lesson you should have learned because most people who are very deep into those games were like that's not the lesson i would take away the lesson you needed to look at was your marketing around the age groups that you were going with yeah because they all hit high school and you didn't have you you hadn't hit a generation yet Yes. Like, it's the Disney lull. Like, they're just now beginning to understand the Disney lull. Like, you'll see a dip in Disney movies for a while as they focus on the Marvel things because that is the bridge group. And then suddenly we have princess movies coming back when there's 10-year-olds again. Like, Disney understands the generational and how to keep their audience going that Nintendo, particularly the Pokemon Company, only has just now figured out. Yeah. You are Be- as soon as you brought up the Disney comparison, the the former Disney employee in me is like my heart was just warming <laughs> because that's definitely that's it. I mean, that's exactly what it is, right? Is that you had the Disney Renaissance when I was growing up, go into like the Lilo and Stitch Treasure Planet kind of era yeah. where things lulled and then boom, tangled, frozen. It all came back yeah. again. And now people would argue it's sort of going back into another valley and it's gonna peak back up again. And these well, things move in waves. They hit the you know they hit the frozen market right that was the edge of that so now they're shifting to all superhero stuff because they're getting the teens and the young adults right and then those kids will make unfortunate decisions and have children of their own and then there'll be another (laughs) slew of kids movies there you go and in the in the meantime they plug it up with other products like pixar makes movies that are very good at bridging both generations yes right yes like Pixar has an adult reputation for kids' movies. So they rely on their other properties to plug in those holes. And like Disney is, uh, like, if you want to look at machines for as much as Pokemon's media empire is a machine, it pales in comparison to how well there's two, there are two large entities out there that know generations really, really well. One of them is Disney, and the other is the army. And those two work generations like nobody else does. They understand how each generation ticks. They understand what each generation needs. And they understand how to market specifically to those generations. And it's really hard for people to be like, well, you know, it just wasn't cool for Gen 3. It's like, no, it's because you were a teen. And they didn't understand how to market to you. Because the games didn't change at all. Nope. They, they're the same games. And the same games that you're obsessed with now, the formula existed. You were just an angsty teen and they had no idea how to market to you because they were new. And I think you, you hit on something else that was interesting too, which is that like there's kind of these games that bridge the gap and are in between. I kind of feel like that's what they're trying to hit with Legends. Because I think Legends, you're hitting on the nostalgia, but you're hitting it yeah. on an older demographic that wouldn't necessarily go back and like play a remake 
of like they wouldn't go back and play Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl with the cute little chibi art style right. the same way a kid would. But when they're like, oh, that's the generation that I remember, and these are like the Pokemon that I remember, but there's like this cool new story and it's open yeah. world, you're getting those people into it. So yeah. I, I, I truly feel, I don't know if you guys talked about it, I'm sure you did, ad nauseum on the show when Legends first came out earlier this year. I think Legends is like one of the smartest things Pokemon Company's done in years because that allows them to still remake the games for like you were saying, Greg, the people who are kids who are playing this stuff for the first time, things like Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl, whatever, those games are not for us. Then you've got the Legends games, which again, bridge the gap, and then the new generation that brings everybody in. So, yeah, I, I, I can't wait to see what yeah, they do, I whether think, it's like Legends Unova or whatever. Yeah, I look at like, things like Pokemon Conquest and Mystery Dungeon as like their first attempts at like figuring out how to bridge that gap. Yeah, yeah. Because they are very, they are more complicated than your base game. And they are more series that were more popular with that teen to to 20-year-old demographic in Japan. So, like, you can see their first forays into it with those games. And I think they've now just begun to figure it out. Like, okay, we are a generational product. We, we know we're a generational product now. We understand that we can hit these things. You know, Pokemon Go carried the ball for us over the, ne- the last hurdle that, you know, that it brought us... It, it plugged the hole perfectly for us, but now yeah. it's six years old and has come up in a retro list game on, on my iPhone. Hey, play retro games and Pokemon go is on there. And that was just six years ago. <laughs> yeah. That's not retro. No retro's 10. So they got a couple more years to go. Still, <laughs> Brent sent it to me. He's like, what is this garbage on my phone? And I'm like, it is six years old. He's like, there's no possible way that it was six years old. I'm like, Again, time doesn't exist for the last three years. It's right, all exactly. a yeah. blur. Yep. Well, I think the to go back to like hitting, knowing their audience, um, and, and like understanding their audience better. If you if you look at Scarlet and Violet, kind of one of the complaints is that uh, we kind of now know that the the gyms don't scale appropriately, right? And that you you know you'll go to Brassius. Brassius will be seventeen, eighteen, twenty, whatever his levels are. Um, and then he will always be that. So you can skip Brassius, you can go to somebody else, you can go back to Brassius, he's still going to be the same level. And, uh, you know, there are some people that are upset about that. There are some people that are in the camp that they don't really mind. But I, I think the reason uh, and, and the feeling I got from playing that game for an hour is is it's not really about satisfying those hardcore players of like, I want every gym to be the correct level and I want to go to the dragon gym first and I want to go to the grass gym last, but I want to make sure the grass gym is level 50 and the dragon gym is level... I think they understand that if they need to get old players back, they need that classic experience. Mm. Um, and the gym thing is the thing you just, it, it is just the classic experience where if somebody skips Sun and Moon, somebody skips Sword and Shield, they're coming back to an open world Pokemon game. They still want a feeling of like, I remember doing the gyms. And yeah. I, and my takeaway from playing uh, Scarlet and Violet was, we keep the gyms classic, but we have the Team Star stuff, which is mm. the the something totally different that you can also do in any order. And we have the Titan stuff, also something different that you can do in uh, uh, any order. And the thing that stood out to me is when I fought that Titan Cloth, he didn't have a level, and he doesn't have a level in the trailer. And when I asked oh. Nintendo, I was like, hey, what's Cloth's level? And they were like, oh, Titan Pokemon don't have levels. And I'm like, oh, maybe the Titan Pokemon are the ones that are scaling to be the difficult thing. Because you don't want everything to scale. 
but you don't want no. nothing to scale. So I think I think they understood that balance, of, and and I think when you're when you're dramatically changing your game from not being open world for 25 years to now being open world, you still need to have traditional elements to it, um, which which for better or worse, I th- I think is is the correct approach. I think I think they are understanding that people are coming back to our games, and not every Pokemon fan is playing every single pokemon game people may be listening to this podcast or playing every single pokemon game but that's right. that's not 26 million I-, I wish we had 26 million listeners but <laughs> sword and shield sold 26 million copies and uh you know not all 26 million people completed the game not all 26 million right. people bought the dlc not all 26 people thought pokemon was too hard not all 26 million people thought pokemon was too easy Th- they're making a game to hit as many people as they want because they're a business and they want to sell as many copies. And like, I I don't, I don't think, I don't think level scaling the gyms is, is the, the answer to selling more copies or the like Mm. difficulty that people are really looking for, which puts me on a whole nother rant of like, I don't think people really want difficult. I think people want to be surprised. Like when, Mm. and I think a really good example of that was ultra necrozma and sun and moon. You can beat Ultra Necrozma, you know, maybe after your second try. He's probably going to catch you off guard. Single sucker punch from Decidueye. That's all it took for me. <laughs> Every, everybody talks about that Ultra Necrozma fight, and that goes back to Ultra Sun and Moon, and I was like, I don't I even understand what people are talking about. Again, maybe it's just because, like, who I started the game with, but Decidueye, it was like one and done instantly. I never even thought about it afterwards, and then it became a topic of conversation. Like, after about a year, everyone's like, that Ultra Necrozma fight, wasn't that incredible? I'm like, bro, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, well, it was fine. Like... <laughs> So yeah, like you said, people have varying right, right, ideas right. Like, of like what the difficulty are exactly. Yeah, like um, like I, I beat Alternate Crossmo with a level fourteen Basculin, and it's just because you know I I understand how it works, right? I understand yeah. that like he's gonna go first. I'm gonna have a focus sash. I'm gonna like retaliate, retaliate. Like you can do it a variety of ways, right? But oh yeah, that fight's not in it particularly hard. Like there might be somebody listening that's like, oh, I lost like eight or nine times, and like understandable like yeah uh, you might not have the right pokemon the right levels the understanding of type effectiveness no one wants to lose in a pokemon match like 10 times in a row to like like you lose right. once and you're like ah oh, he caught me off guard i think that's what people want they want that like surprise they want to be caught they off want guard. Elden ring. they want elden ring is what they want and, and realistically I mean, if, elden if ring can... is losing 17 times in a row until you finally right. figure out the pattern i mean that's that's dungeons i i disagree that that people don't want difficulty. I think a bunch of people do like to be surprised, but I do think there's a handy amount of people that are like, I want to be surprised and also have a tough puzzle to figure out. I think about the Mewtwo raids that were in Sword and Shield. That yeah. was a tough puzzle to figure out. But once everybody figured out the puzzle, people were still were still doing them. But some but of that puzzle was limitation of Pokemon. Like right. if you had Marshadow... Right. That puzzle was significantly right. easier, and there mm. were just some people that I would queue up with, and they wouldn't have good counters. They wouldn't have like Marshadow, right? But again, that's that's also the difficulty of figuring out the puzzle. But that's mm. that that's MMO game design. That's dungeon design. That is, it has a set pattern that you have to learn, and then once you learn it, you can execute that pattern. That that is a difficulty level, and it's 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 different than surprise. Surprise is the initial thing that gets you excited. The difficulty is figuring out the puzzle. The problem is, is that we've known the puzzle of Pokemon for twenty five <laughs> yes, years right. now. 
Right. Like, we know what the puzzle I is. I still think Alternate Krasma is that big surprise, though, for sure. It was, No, for right. sure. Yeah. I mean, and you hear people talk about, oh, I did that and I solved the puzzle and did it once. It's not like people were like, I'm going to keep requeuing for Alternate Krasma 17 right. times because the drops yeah. are so good. I, I And I had a huge argument with people on Twitch about this. I think comparing Elden Ring to Pokemon is completely fair and valid. Especially now. Especially now. Like, somebody was like, well, Elden Ring doesn't even have levels. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, you, you could be level 40 in that game? You could be level... I think it, you could be 160 in that game? Yeah. Like, if you fight the moon girl with the feet... I never remember her name. She's like the second main boss. Right. The 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 library girl. The library girl. You can fight right, her in any right, order, right. too. Like, you, you know, you can, you can fight her at level 40. You can fight her at level 100. Obviously, she's going to be way easier at... You're at level 100. But also, like... If you struggle with that fight, you can change your weapons. You can you can bring different weapons. You can equip different amulets. You can most fights in Elden Ring, even if you're you're you can't learn the pattern, you can still brute force it through your potions, which is yeah. like the same thing as Pokemon. You can brute force fights with max potions. You can brute for you can go back and cha- like if you're struggling with Blaine. Go catch six water Pokemon. The game's not stopping you from doing that. You don't have to go in with like a Venusaur yeah. or, but I don't, I don't think the game should get to a point where you're struggling with a gym leader so much that you're like, I need to redo my entire team. Like, yeah. I, I don't think people really want that. I, well, I think, do. I think both of you are hitting on things that are important. Craig, I think like what you mentioned about people knowing the puzzle for 20 years is the difference compared to something like Elden Ring or a FromSoft game. Because all of these different mechanics are yeah. changing. You've never experienced a character that hits you at this time. Your timing's different. Whereas, like, with Pokemon, like you mentioned with Alternate Krasma Fight, like, if you know the tech of Focus, Sash, and Endeavor, or Retaliate, or whatever, like, you can get through pretty much anything very quickly. You could do, like, the type effectiveness for the last 20 years yeah. has not changed. Like, there's there's no difference. Yeah. There there have been new types. There's Fairy now with, like, Poison and Steel, but it's essentially the same thing. Nothing's really changing there. I think, going back to what I was saying at the beginning of this conversation with, like, my favorite generation, something I think Gen 5 really succeeded at, which I am shocked, this has never been brought at again, ever, since this got introduced, was Challenge Mode. That you beat the game for the first time, and built into the game, there's a thing where it's like, you want to play again? Now you've unlocked hard mode. Play the whole game on hard mode. Levels are higher, everything's more difficult now. I think if they brought that back into a mainline Pokemon game, a lot of these conversations about the game being too easy, EXP share is forced, like, these would be removed to a certain extent. Whereas, I think, going to what you were saying, Steve, like, you could play things out of order, right? Like, Say, for example, you, there's a gym, it's too difficult for you, you want to go play a different gym, fine. Go in the order that they're intending, beat the dude who's like the grass gym leader at level 9 Pokemon or whatever, and you bring in your level 30s and you're fine. Or you could go do other things. And if what you're uh, saying about the Titans is correct, and there's no level to the Titans and those do scale and you could do those in any order, that's great. Because then you could sort of fill out in between going to these different gyms with Titan battles or doing the Team Star areas... And, and that'll be your gameplay loop until you get to the next gym leader. You don't have to do them all in order. But I think if the game is laid out in a way where it's like, okay, here's the first gym, here's the second gym, and it's naturally pushing you in the direction of like, this is the order to go in, instinctively, people are going to go in that direction because the game was designed to be that. And despite the fact that it's open world, there is still a subsection of people 
that will do that and are not going to explore. They want to experience the gyms in that order, and then they'll do the Titan stuff, and then they'll do the Team Star stuff. And that's, I think that's the issue they're going to run into in terms of people actually putting these games in their hands is those players who haven't played for a while, who know the gym mechanic, but are used to the Team Rocket dungeons and the the big Pokemon fights being naturally integrated into the story instead of things that you have to go and explore separately. Yeah. And that's, I think, where the disconnect's going to happen. I mean, I think also some people, like the Elden Ring thing worked up to a point, but the Elden Ring and a lot of those other games like MMO stuff rely on your your skill. They're not turn-based. Like, you can get quicker, faster. They aren't so heavily stuck. And I think yeah. the thing that, that's difficult to grasp in this game is how open the open world will be because every other game up to this point has gate-kept the types of Pokemon you can get. Like, you can only find certain things on these routes. The wild area only has these certain Pokemon during these weather conditions. And so it is more difficult to comprehend a world where you can leave that area and go find the ones that give you a type matchup because we haven't had that. And Pokemon isn't a game where your quick reaction skills or your learning the pattern works as it does in things like Elden Ring and MMOs. It is you have to learn the types, their moves, and the counters, and then make sure you have the Pokemon for those, which have hopefully up until this game, this game changes, have been gate-kept by their routes and what would they allow you to catch in those areas. So the difficulty to make the jump to say that it's like Elden Ring is Elden Ring is a skill-based game. MMOs are skill-based games. Whoa, 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 whoa. Pokemon is for sure a skill-based game. <laughs> but but the PvE isn't that skill-based. Levels still make a huge amount of it, and they it's do. still turn-based. And so there's a level of 25 years of gate-kept Pokemon and hard level caps where you you have to over-level it, which means grind, That is that is difficult to grasp how this game will play out. I have a question then, because I'm sure you guys would know. Do the wild Pokemon scale. So what Greg was talking about, like, could I go to the mountain area near the end of the game and, like, get a dragon immediately and then come back to, you know, gym one and then raise that dragon up from the very beginning when normally I would have to, like, wait until after I beat the game to get a Larvitar, you know? (laughs) Like, I don't know because I play, like, obviously they they did a pre- built situation sure sure, um, sure and my pokemon were all level 25 and i had no gym badges and i ran into a level 40 pokemon which was around a bunch of level like 20 pokemon so i'm twice the level sure, and sure. I, I did it didn't prevent me from catching it i just i i couldn't catch it because i didn't have the right type advantage to sure do damage um so it wasn't stopping me from catching a level 40 with no gym <laughs> badges uh but i didn't get to that point yeah. yeah, I do want to go back with the Elden. Like, obviously, like Elden, like when when you buy Elden Ring, you're buying a game that where everyone tells you you're gonna die a bunch. Like that that is part of its marketing, right? right. Like when when you're going to buy a Pokemon game, they're not gonna be like, oh boy, Brassius is gonna run you into the ground. <laughs> seven, like right, that's not right, part right. of the marketing. In Elden Ring, if you are struggling, you can over level. Like you you can go of to course. specific level. You can go to specific areas in that game and knock out the same enemy over and over and over and get, you know. 5, 10, 15 levels higher than you should be. So, like, 
Yeah, Elden Ring is like I, I would I would I I wouldn't say that Elden Ring is more of a skill based game than Pokemon. There's different skills. One yeah. one is one is you know more thinking and planning out your turns, and then the other one is more movement and and dexterity. But you can still brute force through both games. You can still over level in both games to brute force if you don't understand the skills they're asking for you. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that you know we bump up against the grind, right? Like. The balance of grind versus uh, surprise versus difficulty. Like, everybody wants something different. And I think one of the things that is generally holding Pokemon back, I think, on some level, is the fact that they are still turn-based. Turn-based changes a lot of that calculations to where people... Like, if people feel they have more agency because they're not locked into a turn... Those defeats feel much more like I just haven't gotten my skills there. Whereas a turn base still is, I made the best decision I could on my turn, and I didn't have a, t- I don't have a chance in the turn to compensate for it. Yes, I have to wait till my turn comes up. And turn base is a limiting factor to these games as far as difficulty, as far as surprise, as far as people's agencies in the game, like. The hope is that the raids will fix that somewhat, like that the not having turns in raids is done in a way that's super fun, and people are like, okay, well, I get that sense from these other things, but I do think at this point, compared to other modern games, you're just not going to get the same level of satisfaction from difficulty from a turn-based game that you are in free combat, free movement, free decisions like if you had if you had the ability to say dodge in the middle of something's turn like is a timing button to hit the dodge or you get x amount of dodges something to help you do something during while you're waiting for the program to play out it's a very different feel and i don't know that we'll ever get that with pokemon games i mean there's like the mario and luigi games that have like the built-in dodges and stuff um the 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 role-playing mario the rpg mario and luigi sure 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 yeah, I, I think that there's just a level of coming to terms with this is a turn-based game and turn-based games have set limitations. A, a right. turn-based game that has set limitations that a child can play. Right. right. I think that's the other thing, too, is that that's all so ages. many people want... Right, right. So many people want it to be a super difficult RPG kind of experience. But again, like, going back to that Disney comparison, man, you want to get the youth into playing this game like a child is not i mean some might but like a kid's not going to sit there and play elden ring and you're not expecting some eight-year-old to be able to beat elden ring you are expecting an eight-year-old if they're playing through pokemon i'm expecting an eight-year-old to beat me in fortnite yeah exactly fortnite (laughs) or like leon to be able to beat leon right like that should be a a easy enough feat for an eight-year-old and they're not they're designing the game with that in mind which is why again it goes back to the thing with gen 5 like all you need to do is to have something once you've beaten the game once, right? To have some additional difficulty feature unlock. I think you see this all the time with people who are like, I've beaten the game, now I'm going to do a Nuzlocke run. Now I'm going to do whatever. To some extent, people will do like randomizers or whatever things that they want to do to like have these self-imposed rules to make the games more difficult. Whereas if that was something that was built into the game already, 
this wouldn't even be a conversation. If that was something post-game that all Pokemon games said, here's like the difficulty mode, here's whatever our Nuzlocke would be, but it's actually something designed for the game that is built in that you're meant to play that way as a harder difficulty level, people would do it. You would see all these content creators that are getting in trouble for doing like randomizers <laughs> or whatever. They would not be getting in trouble anymore because they would be playing well. the thing that Pokemon has put in the game to make it a higher difficulty level to immediately make more content. So yeah, yeah, it's almost like trouble. a self-imposed restriction on themselves, you know. I, I went through all of challenge mode uh, in Black 2i2. I didn't find it to be harder personally really but but i mean like i also understand the rules of pokemon like i mean like Charon getting one extra pokemon and then every other gym leader getting one extra pokemon and the, yeah. the all the gym leaders having i think i think what challenge mode did is it, it increased all the trainers and all the gym leaders like plus three levels i think it was either plus two or plus three but all the gym yeah. leaders got one extra pokemon i think they they had at least like two if not higher perfect ivs on their pokemon uh, as well i didn't personally find that to be harder right like if i if i'm going against uh marlin uh who's the like the eighth water water guy the water guy like i'm going to use thunderbolt every single time like there's it doesn't matter if you have four pokemon or five pokemon i'm still gonna hit the thunderbolt button but don't you think that to some extent if they said okay you beat the game and they like literally develop into the game a thing where you go okay i'm in this new region i'm only allowed to catch one pokemon right you're only allowed to catch the first Pokemon that shows up on that route. And that's built into the game. That's not a thing like that the player is self-imposing on themselves. That's the thing. And then when that Pokemon, you can't fight with that Pokemon anymore. Obviously, Pokemon Company is never going to be like, well, that Pokemon died. You can't use it anymore. <laughs> but something to the extent of like, the Pokemon is too tired and needs to go recover into the box. You can't use this Pokemon anymore. And, like, they could easily find a way to do that that makes sense within the canon, the vocabulary they of could, Pokemon. They could, but they, they don't need yeah. to. They don't need to waste they the time they, on that. I agree. They don't need to. They don't need to waste the time. But if you want to appeal to that demographic and you want to appeal to the people that like that, that's what you have to do. I, I don't well, this think goes I, back to the Battlefront I, I, I thing we were talking about earlier, too. It's like, it's not made for everyone to be able to beat it. It's made for the people who want a challenge. And that's a choice of the Pokemon company to say, hey, look, we're going to develop this and give you a challenge or we're not going to worry about this. We're going to implement scaling or do other things to make people play it in their own way. And then the the player can decide their own self-imposed rules to play this separately. But again, until they implement that into the game in a way that's actually in the development of the title... This kind of thing's always going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it's weird that New Game Plus has been part of Final Fantasy forever. Yeah. And it's only ever in Final Fantasy games. Or Xenoblade. It's in Xenoblade 2, to be I, fair. I think a lot <laughs> of games do hard mode very poorly. Uh, like like when like Halo is a good example. Halo is just g- give the enemies more health, give you less health. Like, yeah. I, I, like making things bullet sponges isn't like the answer I'm looking for. I don't think it's an answer a lot of people are looking for. I think a game that does like difficulty well that doesn't have like a hard mode or easy mode is like Mario games. Like in Super Mario 64 or Mario Galaxy or Mario Super Mario Sunshine, there were always levels that were significantly harder than other levels. In Sunshine, they would take away your jetpack. And you'd be so accustomed to it. You're like, oh, well, now I don't have like that thing to save me if I accidentally jump the wrong way, right? Right. Even even in like Breath of the Wild, there were dungeons I went into and I was like, I'm too dumb to solve this puzzle. But it's okay because like in both Mario games and Zelda games, you don't have to solve every single puzzle to do. So like I wouldn't want the Pokemon company to be like, okay, here's a built-in like Nuzlocke mode because you can just do that yourself, right? 
I I would want areas of the game to be harder. Uh, like I would want them to go back to building like a battle frontier or something where it's like sure you can beat the whole game. It's fine. Defeat Leon, your champion of Galar now. But here's here's an actual difficult thing that you can do. Um, that isn't. Yeah, I I just don't think them wasting time on like a built-in nuzlocke is is ever going to like satisfy those people because yeah. they're still going to have complaints. But I, I think the idea of like, oh, they'd be wasting development time doing this. No, they wouldn't. You literally type a rule in the like it's it's not like they literally don't like it'd be different if this was if this was something where they're building out new areas, right? That does take development time. But self-imposing a rule in the game, literally just saying, okay, at this portion, you cannot catch another Pokemon. You cannot do this thing. Would there be instances in which that would be kind of broken? Sure, right? That a player might get stuck with one thing and they need to restart from the beginning. But when the player is signing up to do that optional mode within the game, it wouldn't be an issue because they know what they're signing up for. Like, I think the development thing would definitely be an issue if they are developing something like a Battle Frontier or a new area, which then goes back to their comments of like, well, this was something that not a lot of people played, so we're not going to put the dev time into doing it. But putting a rule in there is it's not something that would take all this extra development time. That's a relatively simple thing to implement. Obviously, everything takes dev time, but... It would not be anywhere near the amount of time they would spend on making some type of new area. Yeah, and I think you would be able to satisfy a, a demographic of people that are always looking for more of a challenge in a much easier way and then spend the rest of your time polishing that core game that everybody's going to enjoy. Yeah, and I on just, the topic, not to, not to take over, but one last thing I want to say sure. is like... On the topic of games that do difficulty well, I think Arceus did it really well. Like, I think going through to that Volo fight... That was a legitimate challenge for somebody who's been playing Pokemon for 20 years. When the Cynthia music kicks in again and you're battling Volo at the end of Arceus and he whips out the Giratina that then goes... Like, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Oh, oh spoiler. Okay. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> I'm like, this game has been out for a long enough time. It's fine. But he, he whips out the Giratina and then the Giratina changes form and you can't heal and you can't, you know, have the full full restore after that first fight and the Giratina fight. Now you're in this third fight. Like, that was awesome. Right, like, and I think that even goes beyond the genuine See, surprise and, and thing you were talking that's, about. That's with the funny because I had such an easy time with that fight because I, really? I, I, yeah, I had I weird ears, so he couldn't touch me. Weird. Oh, so that okay, so that goes back to maybe what you were talking about then, with that the difficulty is kind of different for everyone. I, I had some newer people in my Twitch chat, and they called me. Uh, they said I cheated during that fight because I used a normal type Pokemon. <laughs> Bro, come on! <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no. That's your luckier draw. You had a weird deer, and that's great. You know. Yeah, I, I and that's funny. That, that, that's funny that we've come full circle of like me yeah. saying like the ultra necrozma was like, oh, it threw me off, and you saying, oh, right. you just sucker punched it, and then and you saying versa. you struggled now it's like with Volo threw me off, yeah. and then I was like, oh, I had a weird deer, and I had uh, uh, Ursa Luna, both normal type Pokemon. So even if the weird yeah. deer died, I had another normal type Pokemon, and Garatina exactly. couldn't really touch it. It's like it's really hard to, and I think this is why people go back to Nuzlocks or randomizers is because you're restricting the Pokemon you have access to, right? Like, right. But you know, when you're doing like a randomizer, and you know, you're only your first Pokemon you catch is a grass, and the first gym is a fire. Yeah, it, it's hard. But you you don't need a randomizer to do that. I mean, if you go to Brock and you bring a Charmander, you're gonna have a harder time. Um, it but it, it the whole conversation revolves around like. That fight was super hard for you. It was really easy for me, but we just had different Pokemon. Exactly. And you could do that for yourself in Scarlet and Violet, right? Like, you can go to Brassius with 
three Pokemon. You can go to him with six Pokemon. You can go to him with one Pokemon. You can go to him with a... I don't know if Weedle's in the game, but I'm going to assume if Weedle's in the game and you go to Brassius with Weedle, you're probably going to have a tough time versus if you go to Brassius with, you know, Fuecoco. That's true. I do think, like, the puzzle part of this is the terrestrializing. Like, I think that's how they're trying to get surprise in each gym, is that you don't know what they're going to terrestrialize into. Sure, like, sure. They've, hint- they've hinted at it with uh, Brassius's gym, although... You could guess that he's going to terrestrialize a rock to grass, right? Uh, which doesn't help your gym. But I, I think that's I think that's part of what they're going for with the surprise and upping the difficulty a little. I just think it's it's everybody's version of what difficult means is wildly different, right? right and right. I don't think I think we come down to the point of at some point. You have to accept the games for what they are. And if it's not serving your needs anymore, Play maybe, yeah, maybe exactly. it's not, maybe it's not where you want to be. Like, yeah. like Tem Tem exists to deal with what people <laughs> didn't like about Pokemon, right? Like True. other things have popped in to take place of people saying, I no longer find satisfaction in this type of game style sure so now i'm going to go with something else like temtem uses a stamina thing and you can instead of running out of moves you can hurt yourself and that's part of the strategy and blah 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 blah. like all the things that it fixes for pokemon like there's a million games that fix that they didn't like in this other game yeah and we want pokemon to evolve right like we want it and we've seen it starting to evolve but it's never going to like Final Fantasy is never going to be beyond what its Final Fantasy roots are, right? Like at some point they did abandon turn based, but the formulas pretty much always stay the same. Like yeah. if you don't want summoners, if you don't want these abilities, this isn't the game for you. <laughs> like if you don't want the same spells being in every game, like I'm tired of always using life. I'm tired of always using Kiraga. I'm always tired of using Firaga. These are not the games for you anymore. Yeah, right, <laughs> like, right, right, right. Like Dungeons and Dragons has had the same spell list for almost 50 years now. Like these are not necessarily the games for you if you're over that. If you're over what they offer you, sure. it's fine to be like, I love those games. They no longer meet my needs. And I think the difficulty we have with fans who talk about, I want more difficulty, I want XYZ, they're asking for things that will never, that aren't something possible in those games. That's not something that they have stated that they have wished to do. Mm. Like, they are not against fan use. Like, they're not against that idea. But the reason why you're never going to see Nuzlocke rules is because they never, they didn't develop them. They are easily pointable to a person that created yes. those rules, who owns those rules, whose things you can still find. It's not some, they can't put, you can't put fan-made things in your official product without paying the fan. Though, I'm going to make an argument against that. that Because I was in the trenches when this happened. Free-for-alls were a thing during X and Y and going into all this other stuff during that era. Free-for-alls became very popular on YouTube. And then what happened going into Sun and Moon, where you had the four players against each other? Oh, the like, Battle Royale. 
There, yeah, but bro, there's there's like <laughs> a clear cut correlation between free for alls being a thing on YouTube into battle royale, and regardless, but, they'll never admit that that's what no, it was. But you but can like, also easily point to free for alls exist in a million other areas. Of course, free for alls aren't owned at, by another person. Like no, 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 they're no. capitalizing but neither, neither on neither a was thing. Nuzlocke, to be fair, but I think Nuzlocke has sort of evolved into a way where it's now. It's own the, sort of like side thing where people it will do it on own YouTube. Size thing, but the name and the concept it, it still exists on the internet. The person that created that rule set and named it, well, you, it oh, exists. Oh, 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 yeah, we're talking about two different things. Then I'm not saying make a quote unquote official Nuzlocke right. mode. But, Obviously, call it something else. Like you're not going to call the it. The difficulty Nuzlocke. is yeah. when it mirrors something that exists that has been a part of the sure. community for that long. There is no way around pointing it back to the person that did it. Like free falls, free falls existed in wrestling. Free falls existed on football. But free falls exist the way everywhere. they played in Pokemon, <laughs> where there's double battles and the people on the same side are attacking each other, like that type of thing. I totally agree. Like we we are in agreement in terms of the reason they're not probably not going to do Nuzlocke stuff is because there's obviously someone you could point to and say this is where it all started, but. Again, you can't kind of do that with free-for-alls. There were like three or four YouTubers that started doing free-for-alls that got real popular. And if you just do Pokemon X and Y free-for-all, most recent, whatever, and you scroll down to the oldest video, you can pinpoint where that started oh, yeah. pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. but I think <laughs> the thing that people like talk about those things don't realize is if it's something that somebody has made. Yes. And it can clearly point to those people. Like, it does, like, those people didn't make up a free for all idea. They capitalized on it, right? Like, we can't say, I don't know, A Drive made free for alls and created a free for all rule set. Sure. You can't point to that person. So, of course, if it's popular and it doesn't belong to anybody, they can co opt it. But if it clearly belongs to somebody and Nuzlocke's clearly do it's also like the drama over nintendo saying they don't like nuzlocks well right you you can't do a nuzlocke on an official channel like right. you can't was... officially yes. give per- somebody's <laughs> fan created yeah, we did, we did we a did. little bit Good, yeah that's like, exactly what it was right is that pokemon like those of us who do pokemon partner stuff we can do nuzlocks we just can't do randomizers. Like you can play a Nuzlocke, you're fine. Like if you're, if you're playing a Nuzlocke the way that it's built out where, you know, you only do one Pokemon, one route, you're not altering the game code in any way. They have no issue with that. Right. Like at all. It's that, like you said, you're, you're pinpointing it exactly. Kit and Krista worked for Nintendo on the official Nintendo account. So obviously they were going to be like, no, don't do a Nuzlocke. Like, right. Naturally, don't? because it's on the official account. <laughs> yeah, but if the you're official a creator, account. they don't care. Like, yeah, exactly. Right. And like, but they the would care that, if it was a randomizer. I will, to be I will fair. say, what like, drove yes. me the most crazy about that conversation was it wasn't that the fact that they worked in a very toxic environment and like talking about the toxicity of being a corporate creator and what bringing ideas were like. Like that was the important conversation to have. Like being official content creator for official corporation is a toxic environment and it's a tough. lot of people yeah. do it and live in these toxins. Instead, everybody went off on this completely stupid Nuz- Nintendo hates Nuzlocks and thinks they're <laughs> like hacking. Like, not like, true. Yeah, exactly. That's not the conversation you should be having. Right. Nintendo needs to be held accountable for creating a very toxic relationship with content creators. But I, instead, back to it too, you like are with- talking about they think Nuzlocke is hacking and I'm like, 
No. Again, it's it's the way things were worded and like out of context. Because Kit and Krista were saying exactly what you're saying. It wasn't like talking about this thing that is allowed yeah. or isn't allowed. It's the way it got taken the way out of that episode taken out of, yeah. and then regurgitated online and stuff. Yeah, it's like things just get shifted maddening. when you remove the context. It's funny because yeah. uh, me and Sarabi, like both tweeted the same thing. Hey, we recently talked to the Pokemon company Nintendo. They said it was yeah. cool, no big deal. And then like people were like, well, what was the source? Uh, N- Nintendo? <laughs> well, and people are like, like yeah, what do you mean? Like, like, we well, how dare you? Like, what do you how mean? dare you deny Kit and Krista's reality? I'm like, I'm not, I, I'm not denying their re- yeah, reality. Not at all. What no. we're trying to say is the conversation that they meant to have and we should be having is that that was a toxic, toxic environment that they were not allowed to have input. Like they went on to say you were afraid to bring up new ideas. Yeah. Yes, that's the conversation. Because you didn't want, right. you didn't want your bosses to be like, oh. Right. Oh, right. They didn't want you to be a like they're a problem. They come up with ideas that like like had you sat had Kit and Chris sat down and thought like bringing up an official Nuzlocke is a bad idea for all of these reasons, or the person they brought it up to had explained any part of the legal ramifications, it would have been a very different conversation. Easy conversation was they got a toxic response from a toxic work environment. This is what we need to talk about. Not that. Nintendo thinks Nuzlocke is hacking. Right. Yeah. Uh, to go back to like the the difficulty. I mean, like I think of I think of situations where like people walk into uh, a gym and they 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 knock out like the f- five NPCs and then they immediately leave to go to the Pokemon Center to come back into the gym to then fight the gym leader. At that point, you've you've artificially made it easy for yourself, right? Like you could just battle the gym leader with with the damaged Pokemon you have, but you're making that choice to make it easy, and if if you're in the battle with the gym leader and you decide to use a hyper potion or you decide to use a revive instead of playing it out with the rest of your Pokemon, you are making it quote unquote easier um, because like you're, you're losing Pokemon. So I don't even know if adding like a, you know, a a Nuzlocke to the game is, is, is beneficial because like, if you're using a hyper potion to get through that fight, because at the end of the day, that's more enjoyable for you versus i'm going to lose here and i have to do the whole thing over again like you're you're subconsciously making those choices because you want a pleasant experience i don't think people think of that enough right like Mm. like i'm going to battle all the npcs i'm going to leave and heal i'm going to go in i'm going to crush the gym leader man that was easy but it's like what were your actions before that if you like crushed the gym leader and you like spammed hyper potions throughout like the like like you're making those decisions and i don't know i think the nuzlocke thing resonates with a lot of people because they're looking at a rule set that exists and they're following those rules versus their own like creative freedom right like when i went through brilliant diamond shining pearl I thought those games were incredibly easy. Also, I played brilliant. Super, I, yeah. I, I played Diamond and Pearl a million times. Yeah, <laughs> I know exactly. what to expect. So, like, I would go in and I would make my own rules for each gym leader. Hey, this gym leader, I'm only going to bring in three Pokemon. They have three Pokemon. Hey, this gym leader, I'm going to try to beat them with one Pokemon. When I got to whatever that dude's name is, the daddy guy that's dad of the <laughs> Roark guy, I was like, yeah. I'm going to try to, I'm going to battle him blindfolded with one Pokemon. And each one of those fights, were they much harder? No, not really, but they were like, like they were significantly more enjoyable because I was yeah. making these fun rules. So, like, I always, like, try to challenge people that are like, ah, I wish Pokemon would level scale. I wish Pokemon would be harder. Bro, you can do whatever you want before that gym fight. Like, to be fair, you brought up the uh, the whole thing of, like, 
you could do kind of whatever you want leading up to it. When I had mentioned I had a hard time with Volo at the end of the game, my team consisted of a Lickitung and an Unknown D. So that was like, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. I had Lickitung and Unknown D on my team with the other Pokemon I had caught throughout the game. And I was trying to beat him with the Unknown. And so you get through that first phase of the Giratina fight, I beat him, and then the second phase comes in and kills me with like Shadow Origin or whatever it's called. And I got wiped. So like, that was a big reason probably why that was difficult for me. But you also said something that really just stood out to me, like mentioning the experience was pleasant, right? Like how to make a pleasant experience for yourself. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think all three of us probably see Pokemon as a comfort game, right? As something we come back to time and time again, because we enjoy it. It makes us feel good. We have a good time playing the games. We like living in this world. We like experiencing, you know, flamethrower over again or thunderbolt, just like you were mentioning with like Fira or Kiraja and Final Fantasy, right? It's something that brings us joy. It's a pleasant experience. And I think for those of us that are always going to be fans of Pokemon, that like Pokemon, regardless if a game's easy or regardless if a game's hard, we're going to make it difficult for ourselves or make it easier for ourselves. At the end of the day, like our love of that thing is probably not changing in the same way that like a newer player who hasn't picked it up in a long time is probably experiencing this game. Someone who did not play Gen 6 or Gen 7, who maybe played Gen 4 or Gen 5, who's getting back into it now because they have a Switch and they want to experience these games again. I And I think that that goes back to like the experience thing of like well experience shit makes it too easy and it's like this is this is not the crutch you should be relying on right. like <laughs> yeah right right <laughs> like have you not played any other jrpg in the last like 15 years where experience share is just a default thing and yeah. mario rabbits right now literally currently in mario rabbits if you use a team of the like what the peach rabbit or bowser or peach or whatever all the other characters i've not used rabid luigi once in that entire game and yet rabid luigi is the exact same level as the three characters i've been playing with yeah. the whole time so all right probably spent too long on difficulty uh hey they show 20 pokemon roger what's yes. your favorite smoliv i love smoliv i will protect smoliv with my life i love him <laughs> I love my little anxiety, Olive. I think he's adorable. When I first saw the trailer and they had Palmy, Smolive, and Lechonk, I thought, man, Lechonk is awesome. I love pigs. I've always been a fan of pigs. Uh, but then I was thinking about it more and I'm like, I bet you Lechonk's evolution is going to be real ugly. And I bet you Smolive's <laughs> is going to be awesome. Cause I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of what they could do with an Olive Pokemon, right? And the evolution, and obviously being based on, like, the olive branches that are in the crests of a lot of, like, Spanish royalty families, I think they could do some real cool stuff with, like, an olive crest being sort of like a knight kind of character for an evolution. But even if that thing wasn't to evolve and just be, like, this little derpy anxiety olive, he speaks to me. I like that. I like that he's this little anxious guy who doesn't know what's going on. His mouth is open. He's looking around all freaked out. He's scared. He's scared to be turned into olive oil. He's scared to be on the menu at Olive Garden. Like, I love him. I'm Italian. <laughs> My last name's DiLuigi. Baba da Boopy. Que cosa? All right. Like, we use olives in cooking. I like Smoliv. I will protect him with my life. That is my favorite. <laughs> probably the best answer that anyone's ever given for liking a Pokemon. unacceptable. <laughs> 100% unacceptable. Are, are, you, are you into the, the open world thing? Is that something that you've wanted it. for a yeah, long time? I, mean, I think Arceus is not only one of my favorite games this year, but it's like one of the best Pokemon games of the past decade, dude. I think like the changes that they made to that game, having these open areas that you could wander around and like sneak around and throw Pokeballs, I think was great. And so any sort of mix of that that we're going to get into what we got with the Wild Area and Sword and Shield combining into what Scarlet and Violet's ultimately going to be, I am here for. I feel like 
making this open world, being able to go wherever I want to go, like going to the gyms or doing a Titan battle, that is super exciting to me, both as a content creator and as a player of these games that's wanted something different for a while. This is the most excited I've been about a Pokemon game in a long, like a mainline Pokemon game in a long time. I'm always excited, but I'm like supremely excited for this one. Scarlet or Violet? Scarlet, obviously, because of the professor. She's mommy, of course. <laughs> why would why would I ever go with with Kit? Yeah, no, I'm going with I'm going with uh, yeah Scarlet version all day every day. Now, with that being said, the Violet Legendary is way cooler. Like, at least in my opinion, I think Violet's Legendary way cooler. I also don't know because I haven't really been reading into like a lot of things about the game beyond what they've revealed. Have they said what Pokemon are version exclusive yet? Because uh, no, that could potentially sway me. Okay, they have not. not. Although yeah. the, if when... Lickitung is exclusive to Scarlet or Violet, I'll have to get the one that has Lickitung in it. Yeah. Big draw. Uh, I, I, I do know that I, I, I did grow very fond of Coridon because they, they, they only let us play Scarlet at the mm. Nintendo preview. And mm. after riding on Coridon for an hour, I was like, you know, Coridon is like kind of cute. Why does it have wheels if it's only going to use its legs? I love that he uses his <laughs> that legs. I also Why think it's really weird. Yeah. Does it have wheels it. <laughs> if it's only going to use its legs? All right. Well, no Pokemon of the week because Will's not here. I got I got two question of the weeks though. Uh, Can right. I choose a Pokemon of the week as the special guest this week? Can I choose a Pokemon of the week? Because I'm going to say it's Lickitung. Okay. Just well, for the purposes we do of Pokemon of the week at the very end, so we'll, yeah, we'll hold it. We're jumping okay. ahead. Good. 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 <laughs> All right, first question is, when version-exclusive gym leaders were announced for Sword and Shield, uh, Will was upset he was going to miss out. Greg agreed, but Steve disagreed and saw it as a positive thing. Three years later, do you all feel the same thing? Uh, that was from Citizen from our YouTube channel. I mean, I felt like I missed out until they were bad. Like, there's clearly <laughs> two winners and two losers of those gym leaders, and I played the right one. I don't think anyone uh, missed out on Gordy. <laughs> no, nobody missed no. out on Gordy at all, and B was meh. Like I, I liked dude, her, but I, I also love Melody, though. So when it comes down to yeah. it, it's like, if I have to weigh B and Melody, yeah. I'm taking Melody. Yeah, yeah. Melody, Melody and Alistair were far superior. Um, I do still feel that... I don't think they were I impactful did, enough for you to miss I, anything. I don't think I felt missed out, per se, because the way they portrayed them, the gym leaders were going to be a bigger part of the game than they actually were. Like, mm. I decided to restart... I just now restarted Sword to see what it's like playing the game with both DLCs at the start, and it's a wild experience. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm like, I have no idea what's happening in this game right now, because <laughs> you're pulling me in so many different directions everywhere I go, like, oh, something's happening over here, and I'm like, well, what do you want me to focus on? Because you're now telling me there's like 17 things I have to do. Um, I don't think I feel like I missed out. I think I'm still not thrilled about it because ultimately it's a pointless change like the two gym leaders were they weren't a big part of the game they they didn't have great personalities they didn't develop either side like both gyms puzzles were roughly the same they were the same yeah they were just they uh, just it was just like different. it was superficial at best so i mean i I don't feel like I still don't feel like I missed out. I, I, I would say that I don't feel like I missed out, but I still don't think it was a good decision because ultimately it was a pointless decision. It just uh, didn't serve the games. I, I like having just more character. I think that I think they've done a really good job at making gym leaders or, or characters or elite four members like as important as Pokemon. Mm. 
Well, I, I mean, think... that was something with Sword and Shield specifically. Is I think there were a couple generations there where, like, I, I'm a hardcore Pokemon fan. I cannot name all the gym leaders from certain generations. But, like, Sword and Shield, they were all very, very memorable, even the ones I didn't like. Like, you were talking about Gordy. It's like, I didn't care about Gordy, but I remember his name. <laughs> yeah. So, I think, however they implemented them into the story, I think was really well done in terms of, like, you remembering who this person is, even if they didn't actually impact the story that much as a whole. Yeah, I think I like having multiple gym leaders only because Masters exists now. Yeah, right. I mean, that was probably the whole, the, the whole, the, yeah. the whole That's marketing. We need yeah. more gym I mean, leaders for Masters. Right. <laughs> I will say that Cynthia has decided to woo me hard in that game, and I'm not prepared. <laughs> I am not prepared for this champion knocking at my door all the time. I don't know if it was the right choice to have two different gym leaders per every game, but also, like, if you think about black and white, one game had a whole city that was completely different. It was either black city or white forest, and it's like... I I would argue that that was more in, more important than like Gordy yeah. and Alistair. Yeah, I mean, if they had created a completely different town around those, and it felt like a very different shift, that I, I I would I would be harder on the. I think I missed out. I just think ultimately a better decision would have been to have two gyms and you pick which one you took on mm-hmm. than having them in separate in separate games. Um. I just think I just think it felt then and it still feels now that it was a slightly arbitrary way to sell more sell both games. Yeah, I mean they're very good at putting out two identical games and then selling you both and then a year yep. later putting the word ultra before them and then s- selling, and selling them both again. <laughs> exactly. Right. For the worst story. Mitch yep. from YouTube. With, uh, yes. Wait, can we hold on? Because I am not normally with someone that agrees with that opinion. Greg, could you say that a little louder for the people in the back regarding what that you just said about Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon? Please, Greg, please. Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon has a worse story than Sun and Moon. Sun and Thank Moon you. has the better story. Unquestioned. 100%. This, this is objective fact. <laughs> objective fact. When Sword and Moon has a much better story. Massacre on a level never seen before in Pokemon, what they do to Lusamine absolutely dreadful thank you greg thank you uh, for speaking to me and all those other people out there that i know feel the exact same way thank you uh, I, I i do agree although like if somebody's gonna ask me which one to buy i'm gonna say ultra because there's just way more content there's more content for I sure mean, yeah i always tell people ultra sun ultra moon is a better game sure they are a better game but the story is way worse in ultra yes. sun and ultra moon and the story in ultra moon ultra sun is even worse if you didn't play Sun and Moon, because they kind of shortcut a lot of things, assuming yes. you played the first ones. You're like, yep. if I just played this on my own, this story does not make a lot of sense. Agreed. Agreed. Um, the best part about the Ultra Sun Ultra Moon story is the uh, Ultra Reincon Squad freaking out about Furfru and not understanding. <laughs> like, that, that whole, like, that in itself was great. Them, now, like, I think the Ultra Recon Squad is awesome. I think the implica- implications they did in Sunder Moon of multiple universes existing that they doubled down on in Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. Like the idea that there are alternate universes, alternate timeline where Pokemon have developed differently opened them up to a whole new world of Pokemon design. Yeah. That I think was important in having the Ultra Recon squad confirm that. These wormholes aren't like weird pockets where only Pokemon exist, but there are also people there who had ve- who have very different experiences with Pokemon. Like it's a ripe storytelling beat that they are going to do nothing with, which is a shame. 
but it at least sort of exists as part of the lore that I think that I will give one credit to the story of Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon for like you introduced and underlined the multi-universe, multi-timeline idea. You did everything I'll else. I'll co-sign that with you. You yeah. did everything else poorly with the story, but this <laughs> one beat you did good. Co-signed. Yep. Uh, we technically already answered this question. Yeah, but... we, we did this a lot. So. <laughs> uh, Mitch from our YouTube says, do you think the lack of level scaling in Game Freak... Uh, in Scarlet and Violet is Game Freak's way of combating players that com- complain about the games being too easy. Yeah, I think I think we had like a 45 minute yeah. conversation about that. Exhaustive. Dis- yeah. <laughs> conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, again, the last thing I can say is like, you know, you can play Breath of the Wild. You can get out of the the, t- the tomb. You could walk right to Ganon and Ganon isn't going to scale for you. Yeah. He is. He is exactly the level he he is at the beginning of the game or at the end of the game so i can't think yeah. of a lot of open world games that do scale i feel like the last no. video game i played that scaled was like final fantasy 8 and i hated it mm. yeah, i gotta think about it i don't know there's not a lot that really scale i think the difference again is the feeling of people people feel better when they have more control like you can walk straight to to the end of breath of the wild and you're still relying on your ability to roll, dodge, and attack appropriately yeah. instead sure. of I'm locked into a turn, right? Like those games feel different because you feel like you have more free will and that you as a person can overcome the levels. Mm. Like I relying on my skill to overcome this level gap. And it's a very different feel than what we have in Pokemon. Yeah. Pokemon of the week. It'll be Lickitung. Oh, all right. What, what can it's you tell us about Lickitung? What? Yeah, this I is yours. You, this is my absolute favorite Pokemon of all time. Let me tell a little story as to why Lickitung is my favorite, because it's weird. It's not because he's good in Pokemon Go competitive. This is why. Okay. <laughs> I have a distinct core memory of going to Toys R Us with my dad right after I got into the Pokemon trading card game. This was prior to me ever playing the video games. I I didn't own a Game Boy. It was just... The card game. So I'd only seen the Pokemon that are in like your initial two decks, which were at the time, it was like the Zap deck that had Mewtwo and Pikachu and the Electric and Psychic ones. Yeah. And then it was the deck with um, Machamp, the starter deck. And I think there was one other one too. Wasn't it like a water fire yes, one? Yes, there was a water. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So those those were my only experience with Pokemon and playing the card game. Okay. And Jungle hadn't come out yet, so I didn't see that like a tongue card yet, whatever. I went to Toys R Us, I got a Nintendo Power with my dad. The only system I owned was an N64, and I saw there was a cover story about Pokemon Stadium. I thought, this is really cool. We walked from the Toys R Us to the Old Country Buffet that was next door, and I sat there at the Old Country Buffet with my dad, eating dinner and reading this Nintendo Power and opening up to this Pokemon Stadium article and being like, wow, they have Pokemon video games? And the first screenshot that I saw was of an in-game screenshot of the the master stadium and the rental Pokemon. I don't know if you remember the rental moveset of Lickitung in Pokemon Stadium. If you don't, let me remind you, because it's burned into my memory, all right? This man has Thunder, Blizzard, Fire Blast, and Hyper Beam. And I remember seeing this little screenshot of Lickitung in 3D, mind you again, the first Pokemon beyond the ones that were on the front cover, like Mewtwo and the starters and Pikachu, the first Pokemon that I ever saw in 3D, Lickitung. And his moveset 
is Thunder, Blizzard, Fire Blast, and Hyper Beam. I thought this has got to be the most powerful Pokemon of all time. I love this guy. He's so cool. So I played through. After I got that Christmas, I got my Pokemon Yellow. I played through the game. I do, you know, the, the Mystery Dungeon at the ending. I catch a Lickitung in the wild. I'm like, I'm so excited. He's going to destroy everything. I'm going to use him competitively. Come to find out he's got like Body Slam and Lick. And I'm like, what the heck is this about? Why does he not have Thunder? Why does he not have Fire Blast? Why does he not have Blizzard? <laughs> Turns out, those are TM moves for him that you could buy from the Celadon department store. You could teach it to him, but it doesn't naturally learn those moves. But it didn't matter because at that point, I was so obsessed with Lickitung, wanting to catch this Pokemon, thinking it was the coolest thing, that I went to Celadon, I bought all the right TMs, and I had my Lickitung in Pokemon Yellow after beating the game. I didn't care about Mewtwo. Mewtwo who? Mew who is what his name is. I didn't care about Mewtwo. I had Lickitung. And I gave him Thunder, Fire Blast, Blizzard, and Hyper Beam. And every game in which I I could have a Lickitung on my main squad, I have had a Lickitung ever since. I love him. I love the design. I love that of all the Pokemon they could have put in Detective Pikachu, they chose to oh. show what a real-life Lickitung is like. He's oh. horrific, but I it love is, him so it much. Is, it is nightmare <laughs> fuel. That, I, I'm obsessed. that I love thing him. is terrifying in that. And then in the anime, right, Jesse gets a Lickitung. She gets a Lickitung. Like, and it's an epic episode of the show where Lickitung's running through this tournament, battling everybody, taking down all these other powerful Pokemon. That ends up being the first Pokemon that gets traded away from a major character in the anime because she trades the Lickitung for Wobbuffet, who is now a series staple. You would not have Wobbuffet without licking. It wouldn't happen. That, all right? that would be fine. So all the Wobbuffet stands that are out there, I just want you to know, you lived because Lickitung died. Let me say that right now. That is why. You're able to enjoy your wealth of Wobbuffet content because Lickitung was traded away during the Johto era. I love Lickitung. I could talk about this for another 20 minutes. I love the fact it, that he's good competitively in Pokemon Go now. I didn't even realize is. it was a thing until Zoe was telling me about it when we were at Worlds, and I'm like, wait, what? So now I'm using all my Lickitungs in Go competitively. I could not be happier. We are in the era of Lickitung. And if I may, one more story just to throw in there to, to prove that I am the number one Lickitung stand in the world. All right. In 2019, I went to Japan for the first time. I went to the Pokemon Center. You know, they have those cute little uh, 151 cutie plushies, yeah. right, of all the different Pokemon. I go to the Pokemon Center in Osaka and I walk up to their display and they have every one of those plushies except one. Greg, can you guess the one plushie they didn't have at the store? Cramorant. <laughs> <laughs> they did not have a cutie Lickitung. And I asked the store employee in Japan, why are there no Lickitungs? Because if you looked at the store display, they have all the little names written down and their number next to it. Yeah. And there was a jump between Rhydon and Hitmonchan or whatever it is. It's like Hitmonlee and Rhyhorn or something is where Lickitung's in between of the Pokedex. And I'm like, why is there no Lickitung? The store employee in Japan, I kid you not, went... Oh, yeah, no one likes Lickitung. We just never stock Lickitung. And I was blown away. So I made it a goal for my first ever trip to Japan to go to every Pokemon Center that I could. I went to the one in Osaka. I went to the one in Tokyo. I went to the one at the Skytree. I went to all of them. I could not find a Lickitung. None of them had the Lickitung cutie until the day we were leaving. We were taking the train to Tokyo Airport on our way back. And we had about 30 minutes before we had to board this train. We were on Character Street in Tokyo Station, and there's a little miniature Pokemon Center on Character Street. And who was displayed on the top shelf 
of Character Street as the featured Pokemon cutie, Lickitung. It was meant to be. I got myself a Lickitung. I've had him ever since. He's sitting on my shelf right over there. I've got the big Lickitung. I've got so many Lickitungs. Every piece of Lickitung merch they've ever made, I own. I guarantee I you that Lickitung. shop, the Pokemon Center has called and said, there is a weird American <laughs> running around. Please just give him this thing so he stops bothering us. I don't understand what he's saying. He's obsessive. I don't know what he wants to do with this creature. It's super weird. Just get it so he never comes back here. Please. You know what, Somebody I, find one from the back. You know what's crazy is I went to the Pokemon Center, I think also in 2019, uh, yeah. the one in Tokyo, the Tokyo, D, uh, the, the mega one, the one that has the cafe built into it. Yep. Yep. And that was the first one I went to, and they didn't have Omanite. And they they always have an English speaker at that one. They, that's yes. what they told me. They were like, we try to have at least one English speaker. And I was like, oh, you guys don't have Omanite? And they were like, oh, no, Omanite is really popular. And I was like, what? Um, and then I proceeded to go to other Pokemon centers, and they also didn't have Omanite. But I, eventually, I found an Omanite at Skytree. There you go. But yeah, it was like a very like, it's almost like... When you want a Pokemon and they don't have it, you are suddenly on this mission to be like, oh, exactly. we're going to every Pokemon center. We're, we, just, we have to find it. the problem, though. Everyone liked Omanite. Nobody <laughs> likes Lickitung. So they just didn't even bother with Lickitung. They didn't like even bother. Said, they probably pulled it out of yeah, some they back did. warehouse like, and they were like, wait, we're putting this up to the sword, though. <laughs> like, like, track his cell phone, <laughs> find where he's going, make it obvious so he never comes back to this country. Please get rid of this foreigner we don't like they him were all, he's they were weird. All very sweet though and actually in my my vlog uh, uh one of the one of the employees at the pokemon center watched my videos which was super super cool well, that's so crazy. i mentioned that in the video yeah i have i have i have one more question before we, i have one, one more question before we wrap up this episode uh is is how do you feel about lickitung's evolution uh, the worst thing Licky ever Licky. made. I hate Licky Licky. I hope it never exists ever. But and I hope it gets wiped from the Pokedex eventually. But a dude turns into Licky Licky in a movie. Despise it. I despise it. I despise Licky Licky. I think... Here, here we go. All right. We're getting to one more discussion topic. I oh, think gosh. it is criminal, criminal that Licky Licky is the evolution of Lickitung. Because the one big thing I want to say, from when I was a little kid and I saw Lickitung... In the Pokemon Stadium game, in that N64 Nintendo Power showcase thing, I thought Lickitung was going to be part dragon type. Because he, <laughs> he, he has got like a dragon tail, and he's like a lizard thing. I thought he was going to be a dragon type. I could understand. So I see. They, I see it. Yeah. So I thought that eventually, if we were ever going to get a Lickitung evolution, that it would be normal dragon, kind of like how Drampa is. Yeah. And, or it would be like a dragon type. It would become a dragon, like dragon flying or whatever. It would just change its typing. And I expected this big Lickitung with wings and an even longer tongue and he'd be flying around with this derpy little face and he'd be the cutest little pink dragon you've ever done seen. But that didn't end up happening. We got Licky Licky, who's an abomination, who's a built-in bib because he drools over himself all the time. I... I do not like Licky Licky. I don't. I know he was kind of cute in the most recent card set. So not the Pokemon Go set, but the Darkness Ablaze. What was no Origin? Lost Origin? Lost Origins. Okay. There's How? a Licky Licky card in that that is actually cute. That Licky Licky actually looks acceptable. But normally, Licky Licky is an abomination. How can you hate Licky Licky? Licky 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 literally on his chest tells you if you have a strong Wi-Fi signal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I do, do not understand. To a lesser extent, how, so does Lickitung. I mean, he does too. To a lesser, so, to, a to a much lesser, lesser extent. extent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. It covers that 
signal. It's it covers it with a tongue, so you don't know how bad your signal is. That's right. True. True. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Roger, where can our audience find you if they if they want to find you? You can find me at Roger's Base on YouTube, on Twitter, on Twitch, on Instagram. I stream every Sunday, every Tuesday, and every Friday. And, uh, of course, I will be streaming Scarlet and Violet. I cannot wait to play these games. Hopefully, Lick of Tongues on the Pokedex. If not, we're going to have a problem. Otherwise, I'm just going to have to 10. wait. Um, zero out of ten. There you zero go. out of ten. No lucky, lucky. I'm sure eventually they'll do Pokemon Home Integration. I don't have Lick of Tongue one way or the other, but yeah. I think it might be good for me. To have a game in which I can't have Lickitung on the main squad because I have to True, be you forced lucky, to use somebody else. That's right. I got Smoliv though. I'm good. Smoliv will carry me through. No problem. <laughs> All right. Uh, Greg is at White Wing on Twitter. I'm at Dragging a Lake. If you want to follow the podcast on Twitter at PKMNCAST. Uh, PKMNCST, Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all that stuff. But Roger, thank you so much for being on. Uh, was, thank you for having me and allowing me to rant about Lickitung. That's like great. Two, two months in the work in the works, but <laughs> totally worth it. Thank you once again. I really I appreciate it. This is so much fun. I'm just happy to hear somebody else who agreed with my takes on Ultra Sun Ultra Moon story. Yeah, that's that's, fantastic. that's the that's the real takeaway here. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for making it to the end of the show. This has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast, and we are we are. <laughs> Goodbye? Gonna say are you going to say you? Which I don't one do you say goodbye. Greg what? does goodbye. I mean, we usually say it's super effective, but I was going to ask, do you want to say it's super effective? I'll do it, of course. All right, yeah, all right, right, I'll cue it right back now. up. All right, I'll cue it back, back up. up. Here we all go. Right. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Uh, thanks for, uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. This has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast, and we are super effective. Super storytellers of Sun and Moon Unite, we shall prove our worth to the universe. Indeed, we shall smite the licky licky lovers. We will smite. Well, I don't know. That one guy turned into a licky licky. That was a pretty sweet moment. This podcast is made possible because of our patrons. A huge shout out to our producers on Patreon, starting with Stephen, Sean, Matthew, Kay, Jessica, Brian, Stuart, Ryan, Nate, Bovine, Catherine, Casey, Josh, Gray, Carlos. And a huge shout out to our executive producers of Steph, Spencer, Courtney, and Brady you too would like your name read at the end of the episode or you just want to support to get ad-free episodes or bonus episodes you can head over to patreon.com slash p-k-m-n-c-a-s-t that is patreon.com slash p-k-m-n-c-a-s-t thank you all for your support and we will see you all next week